West West y'all. up everybody welcome to another episode of the back of the 135 podcast brought to you by the mighty west west network brought to you by westwestnet.com it's been a short week for me i took monday off to watch the super bowl the 49ers against kc kansas city chiefs me being a steelers fan I had no, nothing riding on this game, but I didn't want KC Chiefs to win because they won last year. And I'm a bit of an underdog guy, so I was going for the 49ers. And they lost. They lost, and KC went back to back, won their first repeat. I think in 20 years, the NFL, in 20 years. But, um, no, it was an awesome game. Probably not a good game in the first half. It was sort of boring. First half was 10-3. Niners, Niners looked like they were going to win the game. They played awesome, but they just couldn't close the deal. They couldn't put a scoreline on KC. They let KC hang in there. And just like a championship team, when you're still in there, you've got a chance to win. And they took the chances and they won. Congratulations, KC and Taylor Swift. So, yeah. Super Bowl done. Did you guys enjoy it? Did you guys enjoy the halftime show of Usher? What about all that social media stuff of Usher and and Alicia Keys? You guys uh, <laughs> getting getting into that? Social media is crazy. Eh? Like a big deal out of out of everything that happens in Hollywood or in the music business in America. Um, all right, today's episode, I got one of the Usos in. That's who was a podcaster. He's got his own podcast on Spotify called Writer Thinker. He's a blogger also. He's got his blog, JoJo's Blog, on Facebook. He's been on a number of podcasts. I found him on Will Fleming's podcast. So I thought he was interesting. He's good, interesting to talk to. So I called him up to get him in. And he came. So he talks about being the Pacifica in New Zealand. What does that mean? Or the issues facing New Zealand-born Taiwans versus... You know, living in the Western world, and please, everybody, give a warm welcome to Joseph Paulo. Joseph, man, thanks for coming on the Back of the Murphy Fire podcast, brother. Thank you, bro. <laughs> Thank you for the kind message. I was going, hey, Sally, for real? <laughs> no, I was, meaning, I was meaning to get you on here to have a chat because yeah. I first saw you on uh, Will's uh, podcast and then you had a blog. 
I saw so it went to your Facebook blog. Yeah. Started reading it. was like my random ass thoughts. But that, that's cool, man. Like, you know, someone said to just write down the random thoughts. Yeah. But for you, it's not like a journal or anything, it's for everyone to see. Or yeah. Everyone there follows you in that. So, no, I think it's a good thing to write down anyone's thoughts. Like, especially yeah. your own people's thoughts, because there's a lot to figure out, especially how to, that word navigate again, navigate in this world. And yeah. Sometimes you got to, like, write it down so you can understand yeah. how things work, you know? I think, I think. For me too, it's I'm I'm not a fan of this whole idea where they say if you want to gain traction, talk about one thing and one thing only. But I'm like, there's so many flavors to a human being, mm. and if I'm just gonna talk about the color blue, and then 400 other people talk about the color blue, I'm gonna fade into the background. So there's so much to the human experience. Yeah, you know that that's just my take on it. And I get sometimes my brothers will message me and go. So are you talking too many different things? Can you just focus? And I'm like, I'm a human being. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're thinking the same random thoughts. Obviously, yeah. you just, you choose to filter yours. But I guess I I, I, I want to speak to those people who who have a lot of stuff going on in their head. You mm. know, we have busy minds. And some of us are like, how do I put that into words? And then they come across my blog and I get messages Bro, you're so out of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, man, you're thinking about you're thinking about choose, and then you, and then you're talking about politics, and then you're talking about something else, and then like you're hitting mm. a lot of the stuff that they're thinking about. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, the whole social media world. They do one thing and one thing only. I'm like, yeah. Well, I believe when it comes to social media, you know, you can use it for good or you can use it for evil. Yeah. You know, and I think when the thing that you're doing on social media, I think it's doing good because people can relate to. Stories, Absolutely. you know, and people can get into it and you know say, "Oh man, this guy's feeling what I'm feeling." Well, that's why this guy's feeling what I'm feeling. Sort of thing. Yeah. You don't, you never know. Yeah, you know, it's like when we do this podcast; like it's out there. We don't know who's listening. That's right. But if it touches someone or connects to someone, like we won't even know. Yeah. You know, but it's 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 cool because we've been doing this this for so long. It's like sometimes you get the 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 roundabouts, like it comes around. Yeah, and you and someone says, "Oh." Listen to your podcast, and I'm like thinking, you're the last person that I thought they'll listen to something, you know? Yeah, Th- that kind of thing. Like it's good when that happens. Yeah, because it gives you like some kind of, oh, someone is listening. Yeah, but even though it's not on your mind to hope everyone's listening. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Hey, eh? so I think for you, like you writing down all your thoughts because you got heaps of things going on in your head. Like, yeah, I listen to your podcast, and like there's heaps going on in there. Like you could have like hour for each of those topics and I think there's like 100 topics in there sort of thing but I think it's good for you to write things down I mean it's really good and for you to write things down to sort out your thoughts sort out what's going on in your head sort out how we live in life being survivors and that like, it's it's really good it's really good mm. thanks bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um, there was uh, I don't know if you've, uh, Brian Sangala master of all MCs, I was, I was, he said to me about 20, 20 odd years ago, he said, you know, regardless of what you're saying, you're always performing to an audience of one. What does that mean? So if you are putting out a message, have it in your mindset that your target is for that one person who's going to have a takeaway that would, in, in, in hindsight, transform their life from that. But if you're if you're pandering to an entire crowd, if you mm. wanted to speak to hundreds of different of people, but if you can't connect with one, then you sort of miss the point because you're generalizing an experience. So 
when when and and MCs will probably relate to this when you're on stage. We're always pinpointing the one or two who's actually vibing with us. And those are the ones we connect with because now they're having an experience. So hence, you know, if there's nobody there and there's just one person in the crowd, there's your one audience. If nobody's in the crowd, the audience is you. Mm, so yeah. you're going to learn something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much what I just we were just talking about there. Yeah. Like, in a roundabout way. In a roundabout way, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's, I, while I was thinking when you were saying that, I was thinking about the difference between podcasting and radio. Like radio is for the, the general audience. It is. Know? Yeah, it's a general niche. Mm, general um, niche, yeah. Ah, oh man, was it um? So, well, it's not specific, eh? So when when, it's you, when, when you think of my famous R and B hip hop, but there's a broad spectrum we, of R and B hip hop. We can peel the layers back and go even deeper into what those different stations are. Um, new New FM initially was about giving Pacifica people a voice. That's what it was. Just New FM at the time in Brown Street, and it was about bringing Pacifica content to the forefront and one of the leading artists back then were at ease. You know, they were pumping out hard at the time. There was mm. Dr. Fessel Collins on Sundays. There was um, Selalo. You know, he came up with a you really poo stinky kind of slang on Neo Femme and then it evolved. So it went from Pacifica in general and then it became a young adult radio station. Then it became then it branched off into New Air Tuvalu Cook Island, Samoa. And now the, then the conversation started to kind of move in a different direction and then 531PI and they all merged and they became PMN. Now New FM is more generalised towards a young Pacifica crowd. Mm. So I listen to it now and I'm like, I'm not resonating with a lot of this stuff. And that's just the evolution of, you know what I mean by peeling it back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't understand any of them. <laughs> Neither do I. I I've, it's radio for me. Broadcasting for me used to be about for me. Listening to Pacifica Radio was listening to our people having intelligent conversations, and it wasn't just jokes and laughs. And now it's kind of really pandered towards it. You know, it's it's just jokes. But but that's okay. Mm. You know, um, I have news talk back ZB if I want to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though it's more of a Balangi <laughs> audience, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a different scene now mm. compared to what it was. And I'm an avid listener to ones it be, especially yeah. not so much in the morning because I can't stand Mike Hoskins, but <laughs> I will listen to him because I want to know what the other side thinks. You know, yeah. I mean, that's my point of view. Like, he's, he's your he's your rich, privileged white man, and you can't stand. But you know, the things he says, you just want to. I'm just interested in how they think. Yeah, you know, and that's. I think that means more to me than just ignoring it because they're assholes, you know? Like, yeah. And then I listen to, I, 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 I actually listen to um, Heather coming back home. Heather's but, not bad. Yeah, she's funny. She's funny. You know, she has her moments, but. Duplessis. Yeah, yeah, she has her moments, but she's, yeah. she's funny. But um, but I, I do it because I want to get to know what's on at the news because I don't have time to come home yeah. and watch the news. I'd rather come home and watch uh, HBO on Netflix it's, or something like that. But the, what I've learned lately is depending on the lens that we're looking through, hmm. that that'll set our our way of seeing a certain perspective. So Mike Hosking, you look, and, and I agree, you know, he comes across as a pretty arrogant guy. I've had a few chats with him on radio and thinks, he thinks a bit of an, I'm an, I'm an idiot. Um, Did you ring up? Or? Yeah, yeah. I used to ring up at like four o'clock on a, on the <laughs> afternoon when he would be covering the, he would be covering a show and I'll just take a look. 
I'd love to just, Mark, I think you're an idiot. And he goes, oh, it's Remember you. Remember what he said? And he goes, oh, it's you again with your oh. Pacific Island view. <laughs> but, do, you, do you remember what it was? <laughs> they got you hyped to ring um, <laughs> it was It was talking about um, the guys who were guys who were standing at the lights, cleaning, cleaning oh, windows yeah. and the busking. And I was trying to bring it across to him. He's actually a lot more to that, Mike, than what you're, what you're saying. But in, in, in reflecting upon that, it's there's actually some truth to what he says, but because we see the white guy, we don't want to see it. Mm. We, and it's not just a white guy; we see a white rich guy, and we go, "Ah, oh, he doesn't know anything." But then I've had to go through the stage of, "Hang on a minute, listen to some of the things that he says." And Heather Duplessis, some of the stuff that she says, and they, they have one common thing that I know a lot of us Pacifica people are probably low key envious about: those guys who speak their mind mm. regardless of consequence. Whereas, oh yeah, yeah. Whereas we, us Pacifica people, we say something, oh, you've embarrassed the family, you know, yeah, for yeah. shame. <laughs> and it silences us. But like, we need freedom of thought, freedom of opinion. Mm. And that's why we have so many, so many young men and women growing up, you know, it's like, tell us what you think. Oh, it's all good. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> that No, that's good perspective when you talk about uh, 1CB because I didn't think of it that way. Like, that is, you're right. In fact, you know, they are saying what they want to say. Yeah. You know, and to me, it's like there's a reason why Mark Hoskins is number one in, yeah. in New Zealand because he's saying what he wants to say, but a lot of majority of New Zealanders agree with him. Yeah. You know, and his, his work ethic is insane. Mm. You know, so that guy will be up at you know three four in the morning. He's sitting in the gym. He's getting his house in order. He's thinking about what he's going to wear. He's in the broadcasting background. You know. He's not even on video and the guy is checking his hair and yeah. he still looks terrible, you know. <laughs> but he has a background that he's wealthy for a reason. Heather mm. Duplessis is successful for a reason is because they have habits that many of us don't want to do, but we want the the gold nuggets, eh? Mm. We want the same money as Mike and Heather, but uh, we don't want to do the same work. Yeah, because that's another thing why they're successful because when it comes to radio, you need a personality and they have personality, you know. You, you can't differentiate them with anyone else no. that's on the radio and yeah. certain people that on the radio that they have that radio personality you know and uh, and like I, I looked into it when I was first starting the podcast up with, yeah. with me and my, my friend Isaiah like figuring out what is it with radio people and people on the, on the, on the podcast you know and, and it's and, uh, I figured it's like energy it's the energy always it's it's the way you speak and how, yeah. how clear you are but it's also your personality your personality has to come through you can't fake anything yeah but your personality needs to have energy too and energy is a big one like if you if you're just monotone on the podcast yeah. it's like boring there no one wants, like turn it off man like but if you're like you know loud and if your volume's up and down and just have a little bit of energy like i was freaking trying to figure this stuff out you know and what makes radio people because i heard that you know, if, if radio people do a podcast the way they want to do it, you know, it'll be it'll be they already got the half the um the battle, you know, of how to make it successful or make it using their personalities to get through to people, you know. I think I think that's the case. I think that's a hmm, what have I learned from radio? Um, the difference between radio and podcast, a key difference is podcasting. You don't you're not scripting. You know, you're not skipping ad breaks. You're not preparing, you know, your lead in, your lead out. You're not looking at the clock and you're looking at the camera going, okay, I've got nine seconds to get this line out yep. of the way. And, and everything is 
is so timely. You know, you're on the like it's eighty eight point six. It's day hanging out through two o'clock, four in the afternoon. Coming up next, it's Usher. You're rushing content, and so I agree with you that they have kind of half of the stuff down packed. But I think where I've noticed, um, I, I, I did listen to Mike Hosking on a podcast, and I found he found it very difficult to have a relaxed, open conversation mm. Mm. because he's not just Mike Hosking. He's news to exit news talk ZB. He's a personality, yeah. and so switching from one one uniform to another, I, and I think this is the beauty of podcasters like yourself. Also, is you have that freedom, that flexibility to just say stuff, and you'll be okay. I mean, I think we're coming out of that phase now where everyone's offended by everything. Yeah, it yeah. seems to have kind of panned it, which is good. And that's good. Yeah, because I was never afraid to say stuff. I don't, I don't you know, like. Cancel culture. I was never never afraid of that because one, you know, we're not that popular sort of thing. Like, you know, no one's gonna. I wouldn't care, bro, if I was a huge thing. You know, it's. I bring it back to what I said earlier: is there's so many layers to the human experience, and if you're just gonna be, you know, pandered to just one type of audience, I've you know, I've got, I have family who are in the spotlight, and I talk to them and. Nice and bro. So what's what's really going on behind the scenes? And look, okay, gee, they're just blasting it. They're over, overthinking it. They're making it sound like it's worse than what it already is, and they they, they demonize it because us human beings have this horrible habit of we love pain, we love bad stories, we love you know we love a good horror and gossip format, and so yeah, I'm losing my trail of thought now. But um, but yeah, I've I've always. I've I've I found certain great radio broadcasters they struggle to get into podcasting because yeah. they're so structured. Yeah, you know, and you try to go. So, what do you think about this? And what are your thoughts about that? And you, and you see them go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but they don't know how to um, piggy bank off. Yeah, of a conversation. Like, I think conversations all about piggy banking all the time. Yeah, like you say something, I'll piggy bank off that. Then I yeah. say something, then I. Hope hopefully the guest piggy bangs off what I say. Yeah. Goes and then and then it just goes somewhere he never even planned to go. You know, it might go somewhere like 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 right now. Well, we've done it what sixteen minutes? I didn't know we were gonna talk about this. Like you know, like <laughs> I, but I love it, man. I love it. I love it. And there there was a time I had um uh, a, a guy named Dominic. He's on Shonshi. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he came on. And there's and man, we had this half an hour chat yeah. about random stuff. Like I didn't know what was going on. Like yeah. we talked about, we ended up talking about um, Japanese sushi in Japan for yeah. some reason. And then I looked at the thing and it wasn't even pressed. The record button wasn't on. You know, like oh, oh no. no. But I was like gold, man. Like that conversation was gold. Half an hour. Yeah. But That's what I mean. He, he, our existence has so many layers. You know, rather than. Do you want to talk to Dominic about acting in Shortland Street and next? Brad, I'm pretty sure the guy loves a good jam on the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Loves yeah. a good feed yeah. and yeah. has a few thoughts on things that. But you know, everything is so structured in that world. The acting world is crazy, bro. Mm. Seriously. Mm. Have you ever been? Have I've done quite a bit of extra work, and just the everything is structured. I like it to radio. Okay, you have to be here on this time. You are to be costumed. You, if you're gonna go out, you have to have this on you. You, c- you cannot go posting this. You cannot go talking about it. You can't say this in this format. It's, everything is structured, mm. and you're in a completely different world. So you walk into. We did, did Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, the, we in there. The the most recent TV series. Oh, uh, the one up the Hobbit. 
Yeah, the, it was filmed in Kimu. And mm. so you got there, it was pitch black. You left there, it was pitch black. And you're in a, in a studio, you think it's still daylight outside, not realizing it's artificial light that's beaming through. And you come mm-hmm. outside and it's, sorry, where, where did the sun go? <laughs> and it's very similar, like you're going from a, from a structured, formulated world and coming to a space like podcasting, it's so much more human. You can just mm. be yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think we all had um, the ex guy of at the Edge come do his own podcast. He left radio. Yeah, I've got his name. Uh, he's a Palangi dude, and he started his own podcast. And he was talking to Will about struggling to get in the podcast scene because he's not used to the just having a conversation rather than yeah. asking questions like structured and all that kind of stuff. Does he does he does he have a podcast on Spotify right now? Yeah. Are you mental, that brother, Mickey? I can't remember his name. Yeah. yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's Mickey. He's amazing, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, he's having some real tough conversations on his podcast that I, I think are massive. It's like mm. shop, bro. Yeah, just yeah. sad as it is with mental health, rather than kind of tiptoeing around it. I think it's Mickey. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm Mickey. Yeah. yeah. Hmm? Now it was an interesting podcast I had with uh, Will. Like, I was praising him for his work around podcasting and that because yeah. I'm a big fan of podcasts and stuff and. You know, like the around the mental health kind of stuff. Like he was talking about how, you know, conversations and conversa- conversations are probably the number one effective ways to handle or to take care of mental health. Yeah, because it's people to people, right? Yeah. People have to talk to people, right? Human, that's a human thing to be around other humans and communicate. Yeah, you know, and if if you're alone and depressed, you probably need someone to talk to. Obviously. Yeah. That's the what's happening. Yeah, and that was what, what people talk about, and you know what, what Will was saying. It makes sense for him to champion podcasting because that is the way forward to help people or to get some people to talk talk about yeah. this stuff and talk to someone about something. Like, mm. like, and it's not being forced when you come onto a podcast and sit down and talk to a mic, talk to someone. Because, but the power of that is that, like, I don't know if I could. Like we talked about this before, I don't know if I could ring up any of my guests and just say, "Oh, do you want to go meet at the cafe, have a coffee, and talk?" I'm like, hey, who are you? I don't know you. Like, <laughs> but oh, you want to come to my house, sit down on the mic, do a podcast? Oh yeah, sure, bro, I'll come. You know, it's a different. Yeah. The the context. Yeah. The the power of broadcasting, I guess you know, or yeah. knowing that you're gonna have a conversation on the mic that other people can listen to. Yeah. Or is it? You're gonna have something that's recorded in the in digital and be there forever. Yeah, I think that's a a, a a touch point that you're you're kind of getting to is when you're in that space, busy podcasting, um, is you're not just communicating with people. You're you're building a space to connect with them, and it's a big in mental health as well. In fact, there's a great book that that talks about that called "Many Communicate, Few Connect" by John C. Maxwell highly recommend it um and it talks about that you know when you're in those type of spaces so communicate but what so um many communicate many communicate few connect few connect yeah okay so it's it's the difference but so when you listen to someone on a broadcaster will communicate what they're told to communicate but when when you get them into a space like this brother where it's intimate uh, they're not just communicating to the audience that's been designed by the radio station. They, they're in a place where they can engage and now, as themselves, connect with their community, mm. the listeners on a different level. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah. That's pretty powerful, eh? 
<laughs> nah. Yeah. I just learned that two months ago from reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of the guys you mentioned on the podcast I listened to today. Love him, John C. Maxwell. And the other guy. Les Brown. Les Brown, yeah. yeah. He's a black dude, eh? Yeah. yeah. Motivational speaker? Yeah. I looked him up. Yeah. I heard his name. Like, <laughs> I had yeah. to rewind because I didn't catch his name. Yeah, yeah. Tapped it in. They're, yeah. they're, they're amazing gentlemen. They're big role models for me at the moment. Yeah, yeah. How'd you get um, to know them? How'd you find them? Uh, I came across John C. Maxwell in 2001. Um, I was I was I was at La Salle at the time, and I went I went to the I went to the what do you call it reception area, and there was a book that a guy named Martin was reading. He was the receptionist guy. And I was like, "What are you reading?" He goes, "Oh, um, something Laws of Leadership by John C. Maxwell." Laws of Leadership. Yeah, something something to do about the laws of leadership. I said, "Oh, cool. Can I have a read?" And he yeah. said, "No." <laughs> so I went to the library and I was like, "So, Mister Shirley, can I please look for this book here?" Mm. And he goes, "Oh, are you sure." And that, that was it from that. I didn't really read John a lot after that, but that was the initial seed oh, that yeah. many years then into my adult life, I would come back to John C. Maxwell and then come into Les Brown. So what was, the, what was the one of the biggest lessons you got out of that book? Or what stuff he talks about? The laws um, of... Laws of what was it? The laws of it's, leadership. I, I, yeah, I think it's the irrefutable laws of leadership. Um, the the touch points in, in that book is, is echoed, you know, them 20 years later in the book that he's recently released called well not recently um that many communicate few connect and it's it's really to do with making an effort to resonate with the people that you're talking to whether it's on a personal level if you're on a motivational if you're a motivational speaker being able to take the time to tell yourself all right so who am i talking to you know what are they about um what do they want to hear and what value can you add to that conversation? Because now you're connecting on something that they're very, very touchy on, mm. or something that's unique to them and they resonate with. So, the the and the biggest thing that I'm learning about leadership is that you you are going to be the the one who's going to have the biggest broom, and you're going to be the one who's going to be doing the most, the longest hours. You're going to be the most. You're going to be living a life of constant sacrifice. And that is because in order for you to sustain your longevity as a leader and in success, you have to make sure that the people that you're building around you are strong enough so that when you walk away, you can always come back and you know everything's fine. Right, right. Or that they're self they're self sustained. But yeah, those are the key things that um key things that are are echoed throughout a lot of his books, mm. and I summarize it down to just one thing that's always had value. Mm. add value to anything that you're doing um so i messaged you earlier i was like man i really want to make sure that i what i bring to the <laughs> bros con- the podcast that um there are some takeaways for our listeners no no there's, there'll always be takeaways there'll always be takeaways now that that's pretty cool because when i think of what you just said about leadership it's an interesting sort of thing to go down the rabbit hole with eh? like yeah get deep into because when, when you're talking about a leader that wants to has a vision and you need people to help that vision go along. Yeah, you want to get. That's it's like a test day to get yeah. to the point where you can leave for now. Yeah. Uh, leave for a year, come back and it's still. Yeah. It's still stable. Yeah. Because the people below you have know the vision, know what they're doing. Yeah. It's still growing up. That's what. And that's hard to do. Eh? Yeah. That's pretty hard to do unless yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it's why only a few can kind of handle it because yeah. that's a lot of people think leadership is about telling people what to do. Mm. complete opposite leadership is about serving your people 
And I, I used to think that, oh, these guys are arrogant and rich. And then I got to sit down with a multimillionaire. And I, I got to hear the, not just from him, but from other people, the stuff that he'd been doing in the background that nobody, these guys don't brag about what they do. Um, they do charitable acts that are, that are not on the books. You know, they're, they're paying for rent. They're buying a car. They're paying for visa applications. They're putting down money to get people out on bail and people who have, don't have lawyers. And they're donating this money with nothing in return. And that's the aspect of, of a millionaire leader that you don't hear about. But they're constantly serving people in the background because they don't sleep at night. For the whole point is to make sure that everyone gets to come to work and get paid. Mm. Yeah, big big service. We just yeah, that's an aspect of leadership we don't talk about. Is actually it's quite a hard life. Mm. Yeah, and it's probably something someone else talked about this too on the podcast. Yeah. I've had many conversations. I can't. Yeah. I know the ideas, but I yeah. can't put the mouth to the idea. But the same conversation it was about leadership and. And how you know how you talked about how um, it's all about service. Yeah. What better people to know about services is the providers or someone's, you know. Yeah. I mean that's one of the attributes for yeah. leadership that we've got it okay. down pat. Yeah. But you know, we it tells me that we could be, we could break through and be a good leader. Or, we we definitely can break mm. through, but there's an aspect to leadership that we tend to miss. And I I had a I had a and what's that. I had a Zoom meeting today with um, a mentor that's working with me via Pacific Business Trust. Um, and they talk about, you know, the, the vision that I had is the same with theirs. It's about adding value to our people in many areas as possible, but at the same time, you have to make sure that you're adding value to yourself. So mm. as Pacifica people, we love to serve, 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 serve. So much we start serving people out of nothing. And by nothing, I mean is that we're giving out of lack and so by giving out of lack, we're actually, we're putting ourselves worse off. And then we, we actually buy, we didn't start buying into the cycle of, oh, yeah, you're in debt, you're always struggling. Because there's this false idea of what serving means. You know, in Samoan, these are saying, um, what do they say? Bro, probably can remind me on this. Um, you know, the pathway to leadership is through service. But what does that mean? Um what I mean a lot if you want to go get a title or yeah, yeah, yeah. in the village and stuff. Yeah, but see, it's, and I mean, even now with my own family, there's a Matai situation that I'm kind of looking at and I'm going, actually, I think I'm interested in this now. But um, there's an element to of a Matai, a leader that we specific people are not taking on board, is that we're too busy looking after everybody else. We're not making sure that we ourselves are sustainable mm. because as leaders, we need to have longevity. And, and it's all around the. If you don't look at, if you don't look after yourself, how can you look after the people around you or the people you love? Yeah, and and it comes down to, it comes down to having, it comes down to telling people that hey, you know what, I I appreciate that you want me to do this for you, but the answer is no. Because, you know, and, and our people need to get comfortable with it. But that's um, some of the the Western world coming in. Yeah, so like being able to say no, it's mm. you look back at our ancestors. You know, they're if if they were, if the, if the villagers didn't have enough food to go around, the Matais would say, "You've got five taro to feed your family. You're asking for another two. No, we're missing that now 
because our leaders are just doing, 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 doing. And, you know, my poor mum went through that phase. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted this, everyone wanted this. And because so many people throughout our culture get given what they want because they cry and they and, and they and they moan and they complain and they badmouth them say in the family, that family out of fear of shame will go and serve that family and give them what they want. Now you've generated something new now. There's, you know, if if you're gonna give if you're gonna give a rat a piece of cheese, it's gonna come back and want more. Mm. And so how I round that back is as us Pacifica people and I know some are going to be listening and going, bro, you sound so white. I don't care. Um, you know, it's this is a, a value that we all need to understand mm. is that if our kids are not eating, if we're not, we don't have enough hours at work, then we need to be able to say no to those malofas at church. We need to say no to, you know, serving five times a week in church. We need to be at home if our kids are playing up, you know, be present and stuff like that. Say no. And that's okay because that's a leadership quality is right now we don't have the capacity, the answer is no, find somebody else and be totally okay with that. And um, I see that missing with a lot of our people also. Mm. We get the money, we give it away. Get the money, we give it away, but we're not investing. Uh, we don't want to do the hard work. That We're happy to work for a millionaire and complain about the millionaire, but we won't go and do the work that the millionaire does. Mm. The habits that, require, that we're required, and I'm preaching to myself now, you know, stop sleeping in. You know, stop spending time on your phone. But we spend like 40 hours, 36 hours a week on our phones. It's a working week. So re-diverting that focus back into how can we use those hours to to look after ourselves. Because if you, I mean, you know, if you, you make it, everyone else makes it. And um, if you see a lot of our successful business people in Pacifica, you only need to look at Dwayne Johnson also. He's a prime example. Even though his family grew up in the wrestling business, they weren't loaded. That shifted when Dwayne started saying no to a whole lot of stuff. And he got real sharp on, you know, where he said, I'll say no to you now, but when I'm set, I'll come back and, you know, serve your yes. Mm. And now you have a whole lot of people in Pacifica that we don't hear about that are having full-time jobs, you know, getting sponsored by Dwayne and we don't hear about it and that's because he's had the ability to say no 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 right no doesn't mean no forever it just mm. means right now it's a no but yeah that's a long-winded answer about leadership I think that's missing for our Pacifica people challenging too I think I think I think what you're talking about is leadership through the eyes of the western world you know the, how the Balangis do it like yeah. like there's a clash of cultures there you know, with our surviving culture service and what happens in the islands, come over to here in New Zealand, try to integrate with the Western world. The the clash is there because, and and it's everywhere. You see, it's yeah. the way the Balangis treat their families. Yeah, it's the way we treat our families and our extended family. Our extended family is pretty much our immediate family. Yeah, Balangis don't do that. They look after themselves. They look out. You know, they, and when once you're eighteen, yep, see you later. You know, yeah, fend for yourself. Different classy. You know, and it's like, but it's it's all that like, um, you know, like, to me, the Balangis, they don't have the rule where you don't talk to your, answer back to your elders. You know, if they got the idea, they'll say it, no, no matter how old, you know, and it's like, that's yeah. a big clash there. So it's like, they're going against, because there's always that thing about, because you know, in my industry, like, I had 
uh, we we go through every year, uh, every three years, whatever it is, the um, the site save course, right? Yeah. So we have to do a course in. Yeah, poor you. And we we get these. Yeah, I hear you. We get a question on on Pacific Islanders and working on site. Yeah. And it's uh, the conversation is around how do you, because they aren't the Balinese don't know that the the Islanders on site, especially the young ones, they look down. They don't want to tell the boss or tell the yeah. foreman something's wrong on the site because they don't know talk, talk to the elders or talk yeah. to the boss. You know, they're, sh- they're shy. They don't yeah. speak up. Yeah. But you need to speak up because it's health and safety. Where does it come from though? The, the, the inability to speak, where does that stem from? I think it's just our culture, right? It's it's, it's just ingrained, ingrained in us to not answer back. I think, I right? think so one of the pain points of our people around you know, I grew up with that, you know, mum would always say, you know, keep quiet. What I tell you is, is Lord, don't answer back. You know, oh, that's, that's normal, that's, right? That's not the Psalm one way. If we look further back, we find that that mindset came through the the missionaries. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh your young men, are, your young women and young men have opinions. They're having conversations with you about how to improve. Now, they're kids. They don't have a place at the table. They're children. Tell them to shut up. They don't answer back. And you travel back in time and you'll find that a lot of the, the British colony and the systems back there, if you, you go to jail for as young as 12 years old, they would off your hands. You know, we, we, we say Islam is bad for the decapitating of arms and limbs and stuff like that. The British did it, you know, some thousand years ago. They probably and, taught them how to do it. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's, um, it was real... Draconious. It was a real archaic time mm. where it came to our people, and our people were like, "No, everyone in the village has a job, and this these young children are going to grow up, and they're going to be the future Kulafali and the future Makai. And if we silence them and not give them a voice, how are they going to lead our people when they get older? And now we, and this, so that's now so heavily ingrained that we're now saying, "Oh, it's our culture." And I used to always debate my mom about this, especially my dad. He would say, don't answer back. You know, if I give, I tell you something right or wrong, you know, um, honor thy mother and father for you to have a longer life on earth. And I would bite back straight away and it says, yeah, dad, but if you read the very next verse, it says, uh, fathers do not exasperate your children. It means don't drive your kids crazy. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And if your child corrects you in the wrong that you are doing, then as a father or a parent or a mother, have the humility to go, oh, actually, no, you are right this is wrong because these are values you're instilling in our children um, would that for, be interpretation though eh? would that be interpretation though that, that, that little part of the, in the bible like well, well, the, the missionaries if the missionaries were teaching them like like they wouldn't like get into the detail of it they'll just say okay this means you gotta do this and that's it yeah the interpretation of, is gone it's yeah. a lot of a lot of the, the it was like a template system that they were taking to indigenous places and it was a it was a law that only the leaders spoke. Everyone else kept quiet. That was a very uh, British way of doing things. You know, if you didn't have the right stripes on your shoulders, you didn't have enough. You know, on your pads, then you couldn't speak. You had to earn that right. And a young person that would speak up would get beaten with a rod. Um, you know, they. Oh yeah, like the the Catholics. The yeah, you know, you know, so, you know, you know, beat the child and spare the rod. What a lot of us don't realize is that particular scripture was an addition added into the Bible by the British people. It wasn't actually in there originally. And that, that there's so many, 
oh gosh, I'm, I'm making some people go, whoa, what did he just say? So are you saying, are you saying like our Pacific Islanders, our proclivity to don't talk to elders is because of the missionaries? Like, it was a missionary thing. But if if they if the missionaries taught us this, right? It was not part of their own rules, right? It, it, it came from the Catholic Church. But it's not part of their rules, right? Yeah, it is. That, so, you, we, we, so we have to be specific now. We're talking about the early missionaries. Yeah. We're not talking about the ones who are, who are, who are out there now. The, the no, 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 the early ones. The, the ones that first came to the, the islands. first yeah. came to the islands. Hmm. So they brought on that rule of thumb. You know, that, but they didn't practice it? What do you mean by they didn't? They didn't practice that rule that... Our people weren't doing that also. And then, nah, yeah. nah, the, the Balangis, the missionaries, they weren't... They never practiced their own rule. They taught us. I would say there's some gray area where they didn't. Some of some of those because um, that's racist. Then some of those missionaries were alcoholics. Um, sh- some of those uh, missionaries had sexual tendencies that shouldn't been dealt with. But oh. you know, you know, we don't talk about that stuff. You know, sounds like Catholics. <laughs> it's 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 common among um, so many. Sorry, bro. I'm I'm a bit of a nerd. I deep dive into this stuff quite often. Um, and I always say this comment to a lot of our elderly Samoa people. When they say, well, you know, in Samoa, this is how we do things. And I go, okay, cool, that's fine. Which version of Samoa are you coming from? Now, before missionaries or after missionaries? Yeah, or, or, yeah that's, a, that's a good example. So <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 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 um, an even more simple example is, oh, you know, okilauru. You know, you look, you look embarrassing as a Samoan. Samoans don't have long hair. That came with the missionaries, and it was a, it was a mark of the British colony that if they had conquered a place, they would cut people's hair. Right. And so that happened in Japan. That happened in China. They did it in Germany. They did it in Spain. Um, right through to Pacifica, they did it to the Aboriginals. That's what they used to do: is shave their head. That was a mark of we've been here. I believe uh, that. I believe that. Do you know why I believe that? Because when I was a kid. My sister got in trouble. My mom cut her hair. Yeah, it's a it's a punishment. A, yeah, it's a um. Yeah, my poor sister went through that a few times. Poor girl. Um, but that's where that comes from, huh? Like a lot of the, a lot of those traditional stuff that that we think is 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 true for Asamo. If you ask so many different villages, they have their own versions of what Asamo means. Um, and I don't mean to disrespect them by any means. Um, whereas. There's, if you go to some villages in Samoa and you see the, you see some of our young ten-year-olds in Samoa, you hear them talk, you'd think they're a fully grown adult, because the mm. the, the adults have allowed the child to ask the question. Can you explain to me what this means? Can you share what that means? And or I don't feel comfortable with this, and the parents will create the matai. The dad would say, okay, son, the reason for this is is because it leads to this. You know, this word has to be pronounced in the right way. Otherwise, you change the meaning of the launga. Um, oh, Dad, so why do I have to always sit like this for? Is this what's happening now? It's happening now. There's still a lot of... I wonder if it's a generational thing. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful to see that it's still being held onto. And I heard a, um, a father say to his son, his son was saying, King, And he goes, that's because you're not stretching properly, son. It's good for you to sit to open up your hips, stretch out your back and build your core. And that builds into a man. You have to have a spine, son. I'm going. That's fathership. That's fatherhood. That's leadership. Not the whole. Mm. It's like, how is a child supposed to have a voice? And that, and we see that evidence in, um, 
evidence in the in our Maori people who are 70, 80 and so forth, they grew up in a generation where they were banned from speaking to their Maori. Mm. And what that did was it robbed them of the ability to to be able to think critically. Mm-hmm. So they've grown up, well, don't 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 say anything because we might get beaten up. The stories of the Maori kids in Pukekohe who'd come to school clean and they line up and they get hosed down because Pākehā like Maori are dirty. Um, those narratives, the the silencing of our children, they end up growing up to become what we see now as boys who don't know how to express themselves. So they rage, they turn to violence because this is easy. Get physical is easy. They don't know how to express their emotions. They don't know how to, there's that word again, navigate what's going on in my head, you know, because we've been told, shh, you know, that stuff is stupid. Use your head. It's good that doing that now in the islands. Yeah. If, you know, that's what you're saying. It's true because that's, that's really, it's, do you think it's a generational thing? Because when I think of my parents, because my dad was born 39. Yeah. Um, so my parents came in the 60s. Yeah. So maybe it's that generation that do the whole shut your mouth. Well, these two parts to that now. So right now I've sounded like the devil's advocate, you know, from that. But these two elements to that. So then you understand the other side is our parents came here. You know, the expression, Naso, Uso, Yaso, Valle, Uso, Aso, Uma. That came from our parents coming here. That's not actually a traditional Samoan saying. It was birthed through them immigrating here. And what they referenced was, you're a Samoan, I'm a Samoan. I understand Samoan, you understand Samoan. We understand each other. What's your name? Oh, okay, Lucy Valley. Oh, you're from that family. And so what that meant, you know, the, the essence of we band together as Samoans. Now, they then came into a world where they were told, hey, if you don't know English, you know, oh, you're an immigrant you know, you're a coconut. They, bro, there were literally commercials during the dawn raid where it showed mm, Maori. You remember yeah, them? Yeah. Where they, the Maori kids and the Baling, the Maori character and the Baling character were punching the islander in the mm. face and saying, you know, immigrant coconut. And the dawn raids. And so, if I, if our parents came into a country that supported them, we would still hold on to those traditions here. So it's not their fault that that they never. The ones in Samoa, it's easy for them because they're living there. The culture can be sustained because the whole experience is Samoa. But then our poor parents came here and I really feel for them because I did that too. I beat them up and I'm like, why didn't you like beat them up verbally? Why didn't you teach me this stuff and so forth? Uh, that's because they grew up in a generation that said, you know, you're a dumb coconut. You know, you're only good for a factory job. And so obey your masters, you know, your your managers and... You know, people like my father for 20 years stuck on $5 an hour. So their voice was taken away. And so they knew, okay, the pathway to success is to get a job, get an education, get a good job, and then obey your masters. And then a lot of our young people then went to uni, Polynesian Panthers came around, created pathways. They went and got their degrees, couldn't get a good job, couldn't get into it because it was controlled in that space and then all of a sudden you've you've got these things gang you know people leaning into gangs now because that's they're providing that security man i'm going down so many different pathways now so um and so my whole mindset in saying in sharing that is is having an understanding of 
where does what come from? Mm. Why is it the way that it is? Because it's easy to demonize a certain perspective or a certain group of people if we don't understand the context of what they went through. Um, you know, my grandpa, Sulumalo Tovi'o, would tell me the screams of his siblings dying from the flu. Did you know that New Zealanders were able to quarantine during the flu in Samoa? Or were they? They had quarantined areas. But oh. our people... Our people, let them go. our people never had anything written down. So the way how the flu spread so far in Samoa was mm. is as Amatai was passing away, they had to be surrounded by the kids who were learning everything off them because everything is oral. They're in the presence of someone with the flu, the, the epidemic flu. Now they're getting sick. Now mm. they're dying. Now the other ones are running around them and tell us the knowledge. And it's spread and it's spread and it's spread. Meanwhile, um, you got the New Zealanders who are quarantined. And it's, um, you know, those those are the, and I talk about it in my, my podcast also, is those are the things that we really have to acknowledge because it it gives us a, a clearer picture of what it means to understand what does it mean to be Samoan. I mean, one of the most prolific leaders in Samoan history was a woman. We had a Samoan queen. Her name escapes me, but she was one of the best rulers in Samoa in all time and the missionaries came along and said no no a woman doesn't get to lead which is ironic so explain Queen Victoria Queen Elizabeth oh right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? so it was a very so it's, and then you want to like was it really British mindset that came across here or was it a group of individuals that came with their own little making it up as they go yeah sort of thing. yeah their own agenda and we look back at history and we kind of go man so many documents are drafted across the world mm by men who were like 14 to 20 years old with no education. Mm. Man, that's out of it. That's out of it. Especially the New Zealand journey thing because our par- say our parents come from Samoa, right? They come here and, and they're forced to do, to change whatever it is and then it just comes on to their kids. Yeah. And now we've got some of that. Programming. These, we're programmed, eh? We're programmed. We, it's, it's but is it only the, the immigrants... They go to Australia, New Zealand, America. Is it only them? But in Samoa stays stays pure, so to speak. Man, stays clean. You get to Cook Islands, you find a lot of the culture still enriched in there. You go to Fiji, a lot of the culture still enriched in there. But because Fiji is Fiji, that's what they do in Fiji. In Tuvalu, they do what Tuvalu do. You know, when in Rome, do in Rome. When you're in Samoa, you do when you're in Samoa. You know, it's that's why some things that go on in Samoa, us Kiwi Bona going, what? What? What do you mean you just turn around in the car without indicating? Oh, yeah, yeah. What, do you, what, do you, what do you mean you just give a slight $10 to the police officer and it's all good? Yeah. You know, what do you mean your shower is a hose that's sticking out of the wall? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all those different things. And so when you come to a place that's completely foreign, you know, when in Rome, you know, do as you would in Rome. So our, our, our parents and their parents, they had no option also. They had to adapt. Mm. Very much like their ancestors who voyaged to Samoa and they adapted, which means getting rid of some stuff to welcome on some new stuff. So unlearn, relearn, and then develop a new culture of what that means. And where the struggle happens, I find for me and my upbringing was that mom and dad were holding on to an old school version of Samoa. And then I'm this kid who's born and raised in New Zealand, taught a different culture who then runs into different Samoans of another version of that Samoa. And then I'm going, who am I? Mm. 
Oh, that, that's, a, that's a little kiwi baby. I'm like, oh, because I'm a kiwi. See, yeah, you're a sign one. I was thinking about sort of myself when I was hearing you talk about that on the podcast, like your your identity, you know. And I, I grew up the same way too, because and I spoke about this before. My my parents only spoke to each other in Samoan. They didn't speak to me and my sisters yeah. when we were growing up. You know, we we used to get in trouble a lot when we go to our aunties and uncles' house. Yeah, because they'll speak Samoan and we didn't speak, and they'll they'll tell us off, isn't it? And they'll say, and then my auntie, I remember my auntie say. You know what? You go home, tell mum and dad to talk to her once. Yeah. You can't come here and don't know how to speak. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, just get really embarrassed. I was young. And then, but that was just the way it is, you know? Yeah. And and I don't think, I don't think the Samoan pride didn't come into me until later on in my life. But, yeah. but back when you're a kid, you, everything's just normal, right? You just go. But I remember asking my mum later on in life, like, how come you didn't talk to us in Samoan? And she told me, well, you know, we came to New Zealand. Yeah. And you're going to New Zealand school. So we don't, you know, you, we don't want to hold you back. Like, you got to talk English. We're in an English there speaking, it is. Yeah. English speech, speaking country. Yeah. And, you know, you're doing well at school and see, that's uh, yeah, that's the reason. And and, you know, now, but, and now you've got jobs that need bilingual people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's all changed. Eh? Like society, diversity is here now. And like, we need yeah. to get more reminders and places yeah. now and the language and all that kind of stuff but but back then no i i didn't really all all i knew when i was a kid was being embarrassed yeah you know that's all i knew kind of but then when my mom told me what the reason okay but i still didn't have so still, still talk to us you know like yeah. i didn't care i don't think i don't then i think okay i don't think it would have made a difference yeah you know maybe you should have i don't know but i don't know when i look back I, yeah Maybe would have helped better. Like I understood what they were thinking. Yeah, you know. I think, the, but that's what happens to you. Eh? Same sort of thing. Eh? Yeah. The the benefits of oh, bro, I I never actually knew proper English and, until I went to primary school. The, the Samoan was the first language growing up, and as a kid, I thought I I was thinking along the lines of your mum and dad. What's the point of learning? We're in an English speaking country. Yeah. I'm not going to go to school and they're going to talk Samoan to me. What worth is it? And my mom used to always drill into me. She goes, you know, when I die, you'll realize. And then when mum passed away, I found myself in situations where the mother tongue um, paid huge dividends. And it wasn't so much being able to communicate with our people. It actually sort of helps your brain a little bit. Mm. It kind of, it, it, it's it's a science now. It's been proven that if you speak more than one to two languages, there's, there's an advantage of your... I think you're in, you're in genius mode, I think. <laughs> Was it free languages? You're in Something genius like mode? Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. I, I've you know I've I'm very thankful that that mum and dad banned the, you know, they they barred the English language. It wasn't until the grandkids came along and all of a sudden, son, how are you? I'm like, I love you, son. And I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> love your grandkids, but you won't say it to your own kids. Yeah. And so the you know the situations where I'm thankful for is when I'm running into those traditional Samoans. And I had this experience. I was security guard at TAB. And for two months, I just didn't say anything. I was just like, yeah, see, all good. You're not allowed that, sir. And I had my ponamu on, and I've got, um, you know, my ponytail, my head in a bun, and mm. these Samoans are saying all sorts to me in Samoan. You know, they're, they're running me down, and finally had enough of it. You know, they were outside drinking, and I went outside, and said, yeah, familiar, yeah, 
I'm you might be like that's the, this is the end of it you know now I'm going to speak and they're like oh. <laughs> you know and he's a purpose for that because our language and our customs are sacred but when you pervert it like that you know my mom raised me to not perverse our culture it's tapu you know don't speak those filthy words um, but you know what the best beauty of it is that I can talk to our elders it's beautiful that's the gift that i would take from my mum. being able to learn the language was that i can have conversations with our elderly people because now i can tap into their wisdom mm. you know and and when i talk to a lot of these elderly they'll tell me yeah you know new times comes with a different type of weather and you have to adapt and then you hear their stories i've heard it was i'm pretty sure your mum and dad have got some got some stories bro and mm. And I'm here, I can hear them. I'm pretty sure I heard her speak Samoan. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, mom, I'd love to sit down and listen to you. Mm. And just, you know, taking all of that history, yeah. you know. Your, your parents' generation and my parents' generation was, and when they pass away, we thought there's a massive museum's gone. Mm. And so I'm very blessed that mom said, <laughs> sorry, mom. Ah? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a blessing, you know, um, to be able to hold myself on a, and I'm not super fluent in Samoa, I mean, but enough to be able to hold my ground. And the evidence of that was 2019, mum's funeral. I'm walking through, helping them out, take the upper to people, the people coming in, doing their mail for, and I took this box of. Ealingi, that Ealingi looked dodgy as, but it looked like it had three different rapping labels on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was key. What are these guys up to? You know, I'm going down and they say, and they go, oh, you come a key, we lay a little set, yeah. Turned around and answered in Samoan. And then they go, oi. If I bear a key, it walk in my malam, I mean, if I saw a moment, I'm making a lock of color, and I'm like, yeah, but what the fuck, one glob, woman going. If I saw it, if I pardon you, fat. And so that type of experience, I look back and I go, man, shot, mum. Mm. Thank you for the hidings. <laughs> now I understand. I wish I had clicked when I was alive, when she was alive, mm. you know. But um, but it, it helped out. But it helped out in my my professional world, uh, working for businesses where I could interact with you know Samoan people, sometimes Tongan, being able to have that language. I think it brings down so many barriers. Eh? Mm. What's your Samoa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you gotta find, yeah. So this is what's happening, you know. It's a, it brings down a barrier, but um, it, if you don't know how to speak the language fluently, that's okay. It doesn't make you any less of a Samoan. You're still Samoan. That's mm. full stop. And I think you know them. Go through life, you know. If you understand our culture, that to me that's sufficient. And I heard Ilioka say something, <laughs> say something on Twitter. He said, "If you don't know how to speak your Samoan language, how can you speak to your ancestors when you die?" Okay, I don't think <laughs> spirits <laughs> only speak Samoan, but mm. but you know it's a it's a gift. Sorry, bro. No man, no man. We can go any any lane you want. I'll, like I'll, a, I'll indicate next time before I make another topic change. Just like LA, there's like five lanes, and we're going, we're heading towards. <laughs> Just waiting for the turn off now. <laughs> but yeah, man. Nah, that's um, yeah. I can't, I'll, that's that's like. Where my trauma comes from, just not not speaking it when yeah. I was young, you yeah. know, just being embarrassed and stuff like that. Yeah. Are you okay with it now? 
Oh yeah, I'm okay with it now. Yeah, I don't really care. Sweet. Yeah, I don't really care now. But it's funny because when I'm in Samoa, it comes out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't know why, like, it just comes out. I think it's because it's around me. Yeah, you're immersed in it, yeah. and it's muscle memory. Yeah. Muscle memory, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. we're pretty sure, bro, you heard your mum and dad speaking heaps around you when you grow oh, up. Yeah, yeah. And heaps then, of growlings. And yeah, <laughs> and then you go to different spaces where it's mainly English. So I had this issue when I was working in West Auckland, mm. where they were starting to practice a lot of te reo Māori. Mm. And so I started speaking te reo Māori a whole lot more than I was going to, I was starting to forget how to speak my own mother tongue right but it's, it's kind of similar yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, For me, yeah it's mostly kind of. mm. but then um, there are times where i'll go to say something so i'm on i'm going oh what's that word again and i'm yeah. texting my brother what's <laughs> the word for <laughs> and he's coming back and he's going sully you should know this what do you mean why are you asking me something <laughs> but you just speak a lot of, t- um, of maori because of your work had to mm. yeah it was you know when um it was a season with the labor government where Teo Māori and Te Māori was really being, and it still is being now. I mean, it's in a it's in a real tricky space now at the moment. But oh, you have the treaty once, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it was you know it was in in order, a lot of organisations where if they needed to tap into certain funding, you had to have a, a Māori element. And so the organisation I was working for, they adapted a lot of uh, kupu Māori and a lot of uh, kaupapa Māori into the organisation. It, it actually started to blanket. It wove into almost everything that we did. So, so the government's stopping funding on all that stuff, huh? They're not funding anymore. And that's the wasn't that the thing when National got into power? Like oh, they they um they dismantled the Maori authority. Yeah, which is which I I honestly think is probably one of the most uneducated moves from a government to to and, and I understand where they're coming from. They're saying we need to look at everybody as a single population. And I kind of agree with that with that argument because if we look at the benefit, for example, statistically, they're actually if we look at New Zealand as a whole, as a whole five to six million people, there are actually more NZ Europeans on the benefit than there are Pacifica. Mm. But when we go per population, that statistic flips. Um but the oh, so, sorry, when was it more? European? When is so it more? When you look at New Zealand as, as a whole. Just, just as a single population, regardless of ethnic group and so forth, you will find that there are more NZ Europeans on right. the benefit. And that's where I agree with the government, much to my chagrin, is that um is that if we look at it as just a one whole single population void of ethnic identity, you would see which groups are actually struggling. But these are these a bit of a there's a bit of a tricky space into that too, so it's because you what, you got about seven hundred thousand NZ Europeans on the benefit. And seven hundred thousand. About seven hundred thousand, wow. bro. That's a massive number. Mm. And so you have to ask yourself the honest question. Okay, we've got all these Pacifica and Maori support groups going on for our indigenous people, but what about our, you know, Tangata Tiriti, our Pakiha brothers and sisters? What support systems are they um you know, reaching out to. And so can you imagine what it's like to be in that group of people because they're the majority? Mm. There's there's not a lot of space that they can tap into because they're not Maori or they're not Pacifica. Mm. When in actuality, and this is something where I struggled with the NGO space where where I would read through the fine print and it would say, you know, the services are available to Maori and Pacifica but not limited to you know, Chinese, Europeans, Germans, other ethnic groups. But because if wherever the most of the pie comes from, you you would 
that's the narrative you're going to sing mm. is Maori, Maori, Pacifica, Pacifica. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that the majority, if not all, contracts that are te ao Maori specific, it also caters to our European brothers, our mm. Pākehā brothers and sisters. So that's that's where I agree with the disbanding the Maori or the Maori authority. I think was a poor move because. So what do they do specifically? So the, 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 Maori. the Maori authority are a core group who specialise in, under, in in understanding the what what Maori how Maori are experiencing life here in Aotearoa. Uh, so we, they do research and study and yeah. stats and. Everything's academic, and right. so that Māori authority then looks at two distinguished points of perspective. You have the NZ Pākehā point of view, which is one size fits all, and then you have a indigenous point of view, which is actually one size fits all. But at the moment, the methods that apply specifically to indigenous people that works for us, um, it won't be the same if we take that and transition that into Pākehā or vice versa. Because you need some affirmative action? It's because it's a different language. Oh. It's a completely different language. But in terms of like trying to keep up to speed with, you know, with, with the levels of, you know, of society. Yeah. Like we need to, you need to put a hand up. To yeah. I mean, you could say, I mean, you could have, you know, like I, I think of David Seymour and I, and I actually humbled myself and I actually agree with some of the stuff that you're saying. Not in terms of the tiriti, but... Some of the aspects where he says we've got to fix the home first, if we're going to fix the rest of society, is fix the home. Mm. The problem with that, David Seymour, is it's so much more complex than just fixing the home, because our entire economy is decided by the government. We don't have a say in how much our tax should be. We don't have a say in how many road taxes or how high the GST should mm. be and so forth. We have no power on controlling the rent or the market price of properties and so forth. And so to... to to just say it's about, you know, about fixing home. But what does that mean? You know, I understand it on the uniform for all of us New Zealanders, um, but the Māori authority take into, take into account proven, tested systems that work for Azuso, what works for Māori and what works for Pacifica. So to take that away, you're basically saying your proven and tested methods that are both academic and science-based, uh, we don't, Care. We're going to take our science because it's NZ science. And then what you're going to find is that we're now going to start ignoring a whole lot of issues that actually are quite unique to Pacifica people and Māori. Mm. Because it is complicated. It is complicated. It's so complex, bro. It is complicated. Yeah. I, I don't have confident that, confidence that they will figure it out and for a fair answer yeah. for everybody to agree with. Because you just can't. That's why we have left and right. It's too many people to please. It's too many people to please. That's and, the problem, and, yeah. and you're supposed to be in the centre of it all. But yeah. then on the outskirts, like, you know, they're going to be pushing back. But, yeah. but you know, I, see, I get where David Seymour's coming from with his, with his treaty bill. But there's but something is not right about it. You know, he's not... He, he, he's like a, a Mike Hosking doing his thing. And he's not... And I can see their point of view, but it's not... It's not right in terms of... Well, he's, he's applying his knowledge of the utility. His whole application sits outside of what the whole treaty is all about. The, yeah, I the, think... The, yeah, you know, yeah. the utility is not between the New Zealand government and the Crown. The utility is between... Even the Treaty of Waitangi, the English version, is between Māori and the Crown. And that's what he wants. He wants to take away the... 
the Maori part of it, eh? Yeah, and, and they call that New Zealand. New Zealand, New, New Zealand. Yeah, the but the contract is between Maori people. Yeah. and the crown. No, they and can't change it. Yeah, now, yeah. Now we we spoke about this on the on another podcast. We do empty out the clip. Yeah, and it's on YouTube now. And I saw like, someone commented on there, said, "Oh, you should you should you should read some more facts. They're not trying to change the the treaty." And I was oh, like, hang yeah. on, hang on. Yeah. Man, I just listened to David Seymour on um yeah. on TV. Yeah. He was he was saying exactly that. He said he's talking about New Zealanders. He had no mention of of Maori anywhere. Yeah. Like it, it's changed to New Zealanders. Because yeah. we're all New Zealanders. I get that. But the you still gotta go back to the contract, man. Yeah. It's you can't it, just erase. Yeah. What what David Seymour and a lot of politicians are not doing is highlighting what the four articles actually say. In, in te reo, the, te reo, the Maori version, you would find that it's inclusive, super inclusive. Um, but it also has elements of, how, you know, the, 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 I think it's Article 4, it recognises and welcomes all different faith groups, ethnicities and so forth, and Maori promise and partnership with the Crown to look after them and they want to practise their faith, that's white, it's up to them, that's fine, but within reasonable practice and being able to look after this house properly, mm. which is why the crown was initially brought on board because people who came from Brit from the colonizers that came over, the, the settlers, they were they were lawless, and mm. so that's where the queen was brought in. Okay, you look after your people, we'll look after ours. So I get where David Seymour is saying, actually, we'll just look after everyone. But so he's doing it in like a racist way. It's already in the detility, David Seymour. It's already there. You just got to have be able to get comfortable with the fact that. It's got nothing to do with you as an individual because you've got New Zealand and you've got Maori and you've got the Crown. The treaty, the treaty is between two people and it doesn't include David Seymour in the way that he wants. And yeah, it's, yeah. he removes Maori completely. And what that, it flies in the, if that happens, then you'll find a lot of our Maori people will go back reliving, losing land. Lose our, 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 our bra foreshores are already getting smashed at the moment. The amount of drilling that's going on, um, mm. you know, I'm like. Well, he believes, he believes it's New Zealanders. Eh? New Zealanders are all equal. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. We're all Kiwis. I agree, we're all equal, that, but we all have different needs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so all, to sort out those needs, you got to sort out what ethnicities we are, because sometimes yeah. the needs are in those ethnicities, right? Yeah. So it's 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 that same mindset of one size fits all. And David Seymour's mindset is You adapt to what I give you If you don't like it, change But it's like, mm. well hang on David It's not quite like that, it doesn't work that way It's not that easy yeah. for, for a lot yeah. of people So, And I'll give you a real simple example right? In Samoan culture When someone is speaking, you sit down So that your head is not higher than theirs You go to an all boys school with the headmaster When the headmaster walks in, you stand up what David Seymour is saying is throw out all your fasa more practice and all your um your 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 marae, your processes of the of the pipe on the on the marae, where you take turns speaking. From mm. now on, if I want to cut you off and you know interrupt you, accept it because that's going to be the new way. All your Maori protocol goes out the window. It's um and he goes, but if you want to do that, do it on your marae, but don't don't do that on our other on these other whenua. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, well, hang on a minute. A pōhiri is not limited to just the marae. A pōhiri can be adapted to all these different spaces. Mm. And so his mindset is, keep it on the marae, 
don't force it upon us. And then he does a commercial with the act party speaking in Chinese. Chinese, yeah, I saw that. Congratulating him for it. But I'm like, but I'm like, okay, David. <laughs> I get what he's doing. I understand it. But I'm like, David Seymour has not done any happy Chinese New Year ever in his history of politics. And all of a sudden he's doing it now. Which is ironic because it fits with the Chinese market that New Zealand mm. wants to have a stronger yeah. relationship yeah. with. But it's it's all it's, I just laughed and I went, Oh dude. You know, how can we live in a world where you don't look at the ethnicity, you look at the situation? Like, is that is that considered race is that considered racist as well? Like okay, we know there's poor people and yeah. there's people struggling in this country. Yeah. Like do we treat it like do we all do we have to say that okay these are brown people mostly so it must be a brown problem we'll fix their problem to bring them up or is it a financial thing like is we only treat if you're in that situation but, but that must that makes it complicated it's so complex what i i'll i'll answer that from 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 a social services perspective because that's what david seymour's trying to do yeah yeah so i i actually depending on the, t- the context of of how that question is applied individually yet it'll be different to each person because not every maori is going to be um deeply engraved into te ao maori you know and i've i've had the i've had the the, the awesome honor of, of meeting some 2000 plus people in the space of 2 years you know assessing them for housing and you'll find that a lot of pacifica and maori needs are pretty much the same um and you find a lot of European brothers are very much the same in their own way, but how they view it is a bit different. Now, when you when you assess um, Pakia who are struggling, it's interesting what comes out of their mouths. They say, "Oh, I don't feel like I belong here because there's so many services for Maori Pacifica people, and I don't know where I fit in." Mm. So David Seymour is speaking to that. Mm. Um, whereas this actually a real simple way to mitigate that. It's like actually all services, these are Māori and Pacifica specific, but they're not limited to just Māori and Pacifica. If you're, you're Pākehā, under the tiriti or waitangi, you are tangata tiriti, therefore you qualify for the same help. But remember, it's where does the putia, the money come from? And so you pander to that narrative of kaupapa Māori, you know, leo Pacifica, because that's where the money comes in. But if you start to get all, include everyone, now, what's your what, what's your data going to look like? Mm. You know, it's yeah, it's context. I agree with David Seymour, but then I don't agree with David Seymour. I agree with the argument, but I disagree with the context because I do believe. I mean, COVID night, but when COVID hit, right, our people were getting hammered. Pacific Islanders are not getting vaccinated, and I'm I'm looking at the data. <laughs> I'm going, the leading, the leading ethnic groups in this country. For, for vaccinations were Pacifica, Maori, and Chinese. And I'm sitting there going, yet the media is driving this completely opposite narrative. And then, and that was before the KFC and the vouchers came in. Mm. That was before that. <laughs> and then they just sold this whole KFC, pack and see voucher, countdown voucher. And I'm going, oh, people were getting vaccinated in large numbers with that, or that bribing. But it's the narrative that's been sold, and that's what David Seymour and the government are doing. They're sending a narrative, and people, and this is what I mean by social media, bro, is a lot of people go, oh, you need to go back and research your facts. Cool. Are your facts from Facebook, from mm. YouTube, 
or whether she gone away and actually looked up the actual documents and 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 read it for yourself. And you can tell someone who isn't really educated on our histories when they go, oh, we don't even have a constitution. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah we do. But you're too busy looking at America going, oh, you've got the one, one constitution, when our constitution is spread across multiple documents. And so that's as simple as that, you know, it's where you're getting your, your information from. Social media, no. Isn't that truly what's in our constitution, sort of? It's part of our constitution. Part of it, yeah. Yeah, there's several documents in, in our constitution, and the TT is part of that. But to say that there is no constitution, I'm just highlighting an example of what the general um, the responses that I see online is people go, we don't even have our own constitution. And sadly enough, it's from Pākehā. Mm. <laughs> going, man, I grew up being told that you guys are the most intelligent people in the species of human beings on earth and you don't have the the, the the foresight to go away and do a little bit more reading. And, and, and now people need to do the same thing, is that rather than buying into these social narratives, go away and do some reading for yourself, rather than going, oh, white people are bad, white people are bad. Mm. Actually, these good and what our Pākehā brothers and sisters are doing, these bad and same with us. I think that's another thing too. So we like to say that our oh, Pacifica people in Māori are, are amazing we're strong and i'm like yes we got all these problems yeah and we're blaming white people for it when are we going to take responsibility mm. you know you're not gonna don't wait for the government to tell you that you need to stop doing the meth that's on you have you read ellen duff's book the conversation of Zina? no i haven't but it's i will book. now it's a good book yeah it's a good book he has he's got some some tough ideas yeah but that makes sense yeah you know, he's not into the, all the PC stuff. And it should be like that. It's just you know? black and white, less than simple. Yeah. He's not into social welfare. He reckons that's the reason why, you know, brown people are poor or people that are on social welfare are poor. You can argue that with America and Germany, the lack of mm. social welfare is why they're struggling. Mm. So there needs to be, he always talks about there needs to be a balance and we haven't got the balance right, sort of thing. Yeah, he, no, he's got a point. Mm. He, he does have a point. Um, he, he got a... You, you gotta have people to have incentive to work, but you gotta reward them for yeah. the work. That's how you get people out of poverty. But there's so many layers, bro. Mm. So many layers. You know, we have businesses who who up and raise their cost because of inflation, and then we turn around to staff members and go, "Sorry, we can't pay you anymore because we don't have the budget." You've just made a ten million dollar profit after expenses, and you can't afford more wages. Oh, inflation doesn't allow it. I'm like, that's so weird. And so, well, it's all about lifestyle, that sort of thing. Yeah, like you don't want to. No one wants to lower their lifestyle. Like you get used to a certain yeah lifestyle, like a certain level, and then you don't want to give that up. Yeah, like you used to, like you know, you know what I mean. Eh? These are, I think, what I what I'm, I think what I'm hearing is, and I agree with, is that when you lean too much on the welfare system, it cripples you. It makes you dependent, mm. and yeah. and then you have the other elements of where like. The whole idea of bringing MSD, checking in your hours, and then you've only done 12 hours, and then they dock you more than what you've earned. You're now getting less than you had when you're on the benefit. And so so what's my incentive? Work and get significantly less, or don't work and get just enough hmm. to not get by. You know, and so these, I agree with them, the welfare system has created a problem. Um, it was bad in the 90s, bro. So bad. Um you know, people in MSD giving checks out to their family members and just went crazy. But um, 
I think a welfare system should always be around. I'm not, I need to go back and do a bit more reading on what's been happening overseas. I know there are other countries who have put into practice. Um, oh, bro, look at Dubai. How they have their systems. Like, you know, it's, it's, a, na- it's a nation that's flourishing. So if you're watching this podcast, go and do some of your own reading uh, on this particular topic. So in Dubai, from what I understand, they don't pay taxes. Really? But, yeah. But the taxes is covered through utilities. So, you know, power, internet, the utilities and some of the food, but a lot of the stuff isn't taxed. But, and so you're able to keep most of your money, but then a lot of that goes onto utilities. And that enables people to be able to build their wealth. They, they encourage businesses. You have all these different incentives that are building up. Back into the economy. Back into the economy. Right. And so... So when you, talk, when you say in the utilities, like if the power bill was $10 a day, yeah. they add on $2... And yeah. that goes to the tax. That's the tax, yeah. They'll okay. get you through the utilities. That's a, that's a pretty good way. We come here and it's GST on everything. We've got GST on food. We, we, we charge GST on diesel and then we pay for diesel. Mm. And then there's another separate diesel tax. You know, now you've got the um, EV tax that's now coming, which is weird, right? So we're trying to deal with the carbon footprint that we have in this country. And New Zealand has less than, point, less than 1% of a carbon footprint. And now we're taxing EVs that doesn't create a carbon footprint yeah and i'm just like what are you doing well i know why because they were complaining they were complaining right because it was like okay like when i first heard the story it was like okay evs is going to save you a lot of money right you don't need gas you can just power up at home and go and there was no road charges eh? back then yeah when it first came out yeah so yeah obviously but it's 100 grand to get a car yeah or it was expensive yeah so it's only going to benefit the rich people so hang on we can't have that so now they, you know, to even it up, yeah. they do this. You add a tax to it. Yeah, they add a tax to it. So it's 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 weird. It's there. There are there are countries overseas looking at us, going, "What the hell are you guys doing? You're taxing bloody everything." So, you know, and then our products are sold overseas super cheap. You can get milk. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm reading stuff and I'm going, "Our oh, butter, milk, and our meat is cheaper overseas." <laughs> what? Well, it's going up to seven dollars. For two liters now. Mm. <laughs> well, that's another thing that's happening in this country: inflation, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. No, Inf- I don't. I don't understand the. I don't understand how a group of men in the banking industry can have a board meeting and come back and say our new inflation rate is going to be eight percent. You just, you, I mean, obviously they're smart people. They have all these meetings, mm. and they come out and they go. Okay, we're now going to do it. Like the whole science of inflation, a lot of us don't even realize it. And there's no laws around stopping people from, you know, have big businesses who sell, you know, they might have 10,000 70-inch TVs and then they're down to the last 50. All of a sudden they're upping the price because it's so limited. There's no point to like some of the points for inflation. Is <laughs> Hello, to, inflation. Like, <laughs> stop people from spending. Like, you know, when people get, when things get more expensive, people start spending and then... Sooner or later, the economy needs them, so their prices will come down. Yeah. Isn't that the, supposed to happen? Isn't that what's supposed to happen? Well, I'm not the best one to answer that question, but it's just, um, the, from what I understand with inflation, is a lot of it is built around scarcity. When, yeah. when you're running out of certain resources, uh, they, they, they builds a competition where it now becomes more expensive because there's less of it. And to me, that's a stupid reason 
to up inflation is because oh, these resources are now less. And then 12 months later, all of a sudden, we have an abundance of that resource, which means we were never lacking it to begin with. It's a lot like... Well, Jib, Jib was a good example of that. Like they needed, I think they were building a factory down in, in Tauranga. Yeah. Well, that was happening. There was hardly any Jib. Yeah. So the prices were skyrocketed. Yeah. Because they needed to control the supply. Scarcity. And but then, but yeah. I don't know what's happening now because now the factory's done. There's going to be heaps of Jib now. Is the price going to come down or still be up there? <laughs> exactly, yeah, you guys can afford it, so we'll just leave it there. That's what I mean, you know. That's the, I mean, that's that's my understanding of how inflation works. It's built around scarcity, and I think it's a pretty silly thing rather than saying, hey, guys, you know, we, we sell burgers, but we've sold out today. So, you know, tomorrow our burgers are not going to be from $5 and they're going to be $8. Yeah, they yeah. come back and it's the exact same amount of burgers in the shop. It's like, where's the scarcity? You just ran out of stock that particular day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why should you be able to up your prices on the whole net? Na- I know there were economists, more intelligent people listening to what I've just said in the gate, but I don't know what you're talking about, and you're probably right, but that's my understanding of it anyway. <laughs> I'm humble enough to admit that I'm wrong, but that's my understanding. Yeah. So, man, it's only been doing this past week, like this, um, these holidays. What'd you get up to these holidays? Oh man, fuck. my wife and I, our New Year's was rocky. Started off with me in hospital and then she ended up in hospital. How come? Um, uh, I found out what they called neuro, neuropathic something. So I injured myself back in 2020. I thought I was the man. I picked up this massive ass heavy table, got the technique right in lifting it, um, got it wrong when I went to go put it down. And then when I put it down, I felt something slip. Oh, shit. And so I've had that ever since. And then it got really, but now I've got this. What they call what they call sciatica or something. You know, obviously got to lose the weight to help with that. Then my wife went in epilepsy plus gallstones, all of that stuff happened. And then, but yeah, we chilled throughout the whole break because mm-hmm. the, the industry that we're involved in, the work is only the work quietens down kind of from November right through to about February. And so they kind of just learned how to. You know, I should probably start. Man, during these quiet times of work, I should people that come and ask for. Ask for a spare 20, ask you, oh yeah, but I've got hardly got any 20s, so I'm going to pay me back 30. <laughs> Inflation. So you and your mm. wife run your own business? Yeah. You do those uh, reports or the, for the housing, for the courts and that? Uh, not 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 specifically. Um, the, the type of industry that we're in doesn't really require us to do the reports, but we do build our own numbers. We, are, we do have our own little number. We kind of capture of, you know, which ethnic groups, which areas are mostly impacted by a certain type of document. Mm. Um, so, so so what is it exactly you guys do? So we, so field visits, essentially uh, people who have fallen behind on their debt. Uh-huh. And they're not, and... They people, either, homeowners or... It could be anyone. Any businesses. Oh, um, businesses that are trying to avoid foreclosure. A lot of a lot of business, bro. The building industry is getting hit pretty hard at the moment. Especially residential. Right? Yeah, mm. a lot of a lot of small businesses in the that had these new dynamic ways of housing. They're shutting down because the government never came to their aid during COVID. A lot of the big companies got a big pay up, but these smaller ones, because they didn't quite fit the quota of how many staff per se, they couldn't get that COVID funding, mm. and so a lot of them are shutting down. A lot of them are liquidating. It's, um, and more recently, the the cyclone, the floods in Auckland last last year, and some of the houses that need oh, a lot need of waiting for the insurance and all that. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's even that world's a bit of a deli dive. Eh? It's a 
insurance world just drives me insane. You pay all this money to get cover, and you ask for the cover, and all of a sudden the private investigator's on the other side of the phone. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get out of there. <laughs> trying to trying not wow. to pay you out. Oh, really? Oh, okay. But um, <laughs> genius. But yeah, that, that's been us throughout the break. Um, so our our business is a bit different. We don't just knock on people's doors and say you need to pay up or you're in trouble. It's always a, a, the leading part of us is why are you in the situation that you are in and what type of help that you need. We then connect them to a service and then the ownership is on them to now take lead. And then the ownership is on the NGO to work with their whanau and make sure that they're getting the help that they need. So that's basically what we do. So would that be like the help of being in that alone and sorting it out? No, no, no. So um, the idea is for them to get out of debt. And, and mm. it's when you connect people to NGOs, NGOs will design um, a plan, a care plan for them to be able to get out of the situation they're in or to ma- better manage it. Mm. Um, you'll find that there are households that have a lot of young teenage boys who are sitting on the PlayStation all day and night, and mum and dad are trying to keep up with their bottomless tummies, you know. So they then they say, okay, how would they like a job? Now you got to get a youth worker involved because those young men don't see the point in going to work when mum and dad does everything for free. Right. And it just goes on oh, and on That's and on. You know? <laughs> it's common, more common than you think, bro. You have these young... Yeah. Bro, you know, we talk about respect among our people, but I've seen some howlers, man. You know, they don't want to work because why? <laughs> mm. I go to school, I come home, there's food here, why do I need to work? But it's identifying those type of things and you have someone who works with them and, and be able to create that that pathway mm. out of hardship and then create a mindset, get some education going, some mentorship going. There's and no motivation though. Hey, the, isn't the one main thing to help is motivation when it comes to that sort of thing, kids playing PlayStation all day and um, not playing sports. And I think I don't think it's so much, it's a lack of motivation, it's a lack of purpose. Mm. A lot of our young people don't know what their, what their purpose is. They, they've grown up being told what to do and seldomly are explored around the areas of, so what do you want to do? Mm. You know, and it's and a lot of the time it's not our parents' fault, bro. You know, double jobs, long hours, you're trying to pay the bills and you're kind of too tired to have those conversations with our young people. Mm. But yeah, I, I don't think it's a lack of motivation. I think, I believe if a, if a young person is able to, able to, if a young person has a dream they would then go out and get the education you know it'll spur them to get the education there was something you said on the podcast um you, i think it was uh steve harvey said what, what was his, his line like work towards his dream not towards what you want to do or something like that yeah so that, you know, that those are his words but education Edu- should come from a dream not from yeah just education in general. Yeah, like don't don't talk to a child about the education. Talk to them about their dream. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and if you talk to a child about their dream, you know, that dream will spur them to get the education. Now you're being specific. Now, now that the kid has a dream, you can ha- you can aim the child on the pathway to get the appropriate education. You know, we have a lot of young people who don't want to be lawyers. That's what I grew up with. Yeah, lawyer for my. I don't want to do anything. I want to be an actor. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and so I struggled with math. You know, I just, but I thrived in performing arts. You know, and I, mum and dad hit that from me, but that was their DNA. They were performers in the background um, and then political activists too at the same time. But yeah, find the dream. I, my mum, my dad, you know, mum and dad before poor mum passed, that was the things that they came, they concluded, they realized that had they 
because they're looking at Dwayne, you know, they looked at The Rock and all these Pacifica, and they're going, man, if we just sponsored you and supported you in your dreams of being an actor, we would all been rich now, son. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, mom and dad, I appreciate it. At least they've acknowledged it, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, I'm all for education. Absolutely, you need an education. It, even I think also to understand what's the whole purpose of going to school, it's to teach you discipline, the mm. basics of discipline that will apply to your adult life. Unfortunately, our current system doesn't teach our young people proper life skills but um yeah yeah i've heard i've heard the, even the financial side of things eh? part, financial side of life that's they don't there's there's zero bro, education there. i i helped i helped pick up a vehicle for that for a young boy a young boy out in remuera you know as a oh bro 20 years old all he saw was the flash car sitting on 21 inch room you know rims and the loud boom you know he felt yeah. that he loved it and then it didn't occur to him that, you know, hey, you actually need to pay every single week. His mind said, oh, I can't afford, oh, good, I'll just pay it back next week. Next thing you know, there's like a big, big, massive dude at the door going, sorry, bro, I'm going to take the car. Yeah. You know, and that lack of, and his attitude was poor. I'm like, I actually tried to sit him down and go, here's what's happening. This is what you can do to remedy the situation. Here's who you need to, I even connected him to someone to get him a job straight away. But it just flew right over his head. And so that's common, eh? It's common. Of kids, uh, eh? Yeah. Because we don't teach our kids that in school. Yeah, yeah, but the, even the ones in accounting in school don't get it. They're learning accounting, but you send them out into school and in the real world, they come out, oh, hang on. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't study, you know. <laughs> Man, I kind of put a formula onto how to grocery shop this week. Mm. It's, um, yeah, I'm not knocking education. You need it, but we need to aim the whole pathway of education a lot better. Yeah, it's like social media is like the, a little bit of a culprit there, eh? Like you know, people see the cool stuff but never see the hard work, you know? Yeah, behind the cool stuff, or mm. behind the people that they see admire on social media, like yeah, and whether or not that stuff's even real, mm. you know? And that's uh, and that, and that the, the man, man, it should be social media should be changed to myself media. <laughs> because social media is doing the complete opposite it's disconnecting people eh? mm. rather than being being social well I feel like we're being more anti-social now and like even sometimes I post something on Facebook and I'm like oh, delete you know it's a bit too open but but yeah it's yeah social media is not helping it's it's making all of us be so individually based mm. that we are allowing minority groups to kind of just transform the scope of society and the impact that has I think the scary thought is the idea of like you could just stay in your room for the rest of your life, and get Uber, eat all your food, yeah, be on your computer, work, yeah, and that's it. You don't yeah. have to leave. Yeah, you know if technology has allow allow people to do that, if yeah. you wanted to, really really wanted to, yeah, you don't have to step outside your house. Yeah, I mean you find a lot of those people who are like that have massive social anxiety. Mm. Stay them out of the real world. They're looking around, you know. <laughs> it's like human connection is so important. Mm. You can communicate from your work from home job, but when, how, are you actually connecting to the people outside? Mm. But yeah, but that's so true. You can do everything from home. So you know, with your work, like, is there like a a big mountain to climb in terms of like how do we fix whatever you're trying to fix, like? With people in debt, are there more? Are we seeing more people in debt now with inflation going on, COVID? Are we seeing uh, people getting to? Is it getting worse or is it, is it getting better with with what you provide 
helping people in that? I, I find it's been consistent ever since I've been involved in the finance sector. It's been the same. If, if it, it has gotten worse, mm. I don't think it's ever going to get better. But um, if, if, if we could, in our, in our own small way, you know, we're thinking, we're thinking, you know, future at the moment, generational thinking is that if we can readjust someone's pathway now, who's, who's gone off into the wrong tangent, if we can get them to correct their pathway, and that would have a roll-on effect to the ones that come after them. So, you know, you can't, I don't think you can actually fix the financial issue in this country as a whole in one, in one generation it's going to take. Because I remember, like for a long time, I didn't believe in buying a house. Yeah. For a long time, like, eh, stuff going buy a house. I don't want to be in the pretty year mortgage, yeah. and I'm a slave for pretty years, and you know, kind of go, I'll rather rent and blah blah. blah. Yeah. Just take off whenever I want. Cause it's kind of thing, like. But then that was before I knew about generational wealth and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, and then uh, then there was a fear of being left behind. Yeah, FOMO. You know? Yeah. But when I say being left behind, I mean struggling. Yeah. And then I hear on TV like a few years ago, you know, hit retirement age 65, pension's not enough to pay the rent or, you know, even the even the KiwiSaver will help you for like five years, six years, and then that's it. Like, what you Unless gonna... you buy a house, have, own your own house. Yeah. And even that's going to be like, an, you know, when you retire is... is are you going to be mortgage-free? Because if you retire on a pension and your mortgage isn't paid off, it's no longer an asset. It's a commodity now. Mm. You know, it's property is an interesting thing. I'm still learning a little bit about it. And I listen to some some of my wealthy friends and they're like, bro, we don't even own a home. You know, we just rent and we invest in companies and we'll build a home when we retire. And I'm going, <laughs> that's probably another way of doing it. Yeah, that's probably oh another. Because, <laughs> because then when you retire, you can build a house anywhere. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, we don't want to. We don't want to buy a house now. We just, we want to rent. Mm. I mean, when we're ready to settle down, we'll just go pay cash and build it from scratch." Mm. I'm like, "Oh man, that that's that's the type of retirement I want to get towards." See, I like that idea. Yeah. See, I'll go back to my not caring about buying a house. <laughs> but like, you know, the, the, yeah, I mean, like these these are the guys who have who have cash assets. You know, mm. they can afford to do that. I mean, they could buy houses right now if they wanted to. I was on a ride along with another brother of mine, and he drove past, and he just saw all these Raptors, all these big Ford cars, and he goes, oh, "I'm bored of last year's model." So, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I might actually upgrade. Yeah. Like, we're in the 2023 you Ford and he's getting he's bored of the old model he wants the new one the 2024 yeah. and I'm like <laughs> no I think I think those type of guys you know I think you're right you know property is good to get into especially with investing money in yeah. there like even like getting equity and then yeah. get a new house off that just just point of I'm not into property so don't take my word I don't have the fruit to but it's a good investment <laughs> like yeah. I think New Zealand but just because we haven't got the um the equity tax was it? The, yeah. Was the equity tax? The property. Oh. They didn't want to do it because aren't we like one of? Aren't we like one of two countries in the whole world that doesn't have that tax or yeah, something like that? I know. I know which. Yeah. What's oh, it called? Man. The property gains tax. Property gains tax. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. Do you know my theory on that is? There's so many people with properties. The voters don't want the property gains tax because there's so many voters that have it have. They have multiple properties. I, I, honestly, I don't have a problem with people owning so many properties, but I do have an issue with people who buy an, a silly amount of properties and then they leave it sitting there as a as an asset. They won't put anybody in it. Well, that's that's one of the problems yeah. of 
not having the capital gains tax, the other problem is the the rent prices go up. Yeah. You know? So it's um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, these these the whole housing sector is interesting. And what I learned in social housing was not so much landlords were happy to get into social housing because their rent was guaranteed every week, mm. so the mortgage was getting paid. They didn't have to top up so much every week. Oh, that's an incentive um, to get the house. Yeah, the incentive, yeah. But then the downside was is they'll get that um and ah about who would put into that house. And so you would have housing first is all about housing a person first and then dealing with the situations after. And then meth insurance isn't really there anymore you know, for a lot of oh, landlords. Really? Yeah, and so that scares landlords away from getting into social housing. Oh, but what if your client has meth and they damage my property and then the value drops and so they get scared because, mm. oh, community housing, oh, no, we don't want to be a part of it anymore. There's so many elements in the background where you vet families and landlords are now starting to speak and to tell us about these families, you know, and then you've got the Privacy Act. Now you've got a balance where the landlord doesn't need to, you know, when you're in social housing, the, the landlord doesn't need to know who's moving in, where they're from, what's their background, how right. many kids, how many dogs, how many teeth do they have. It's just all they need to know is that your house is getting filled, your rent's getting paid. Even when it was empty, when a house wasn't full, the social housing organization would still pay the rent. Mm. So they had to make sure it was filled all the time. But um, yeah, there's so much to it. But I, I, I find that, that it's ridiculous that one person or an investment group can own 40, 50 properties, a few streets apart, and they're all empty. And we need to house people. Even, even government building houses, you know, spending, you know, theoretically speaking, say $10 million to build 200 homes. You know, two hundred million, and they, ten million to build two hundred homes, and then they go sell it off for a hundred million dollars. Now the rent, now the house is going to be on market value. Families can't move in. Mm. If you built it for the people, put people in it. Those ghost houses, there. Eh? Talk about so many, bro. Mm. So many. It's ridiculous the amount of social housing that I drive past. And then I go, man, it's been empty for months. Yeah. And they look into it because, oh yeah, that's this holding group limited. You know, and you look into the portfolio and you find out, you know, four investors are in China, one's in America, two in Australia, three's in New Zealand. Mm. And they can't just fill it because they have to have a meeting and all come into agreement. So <laughs> I was always impressive with Vision West because I've got some friends that are broken up by their partners and yeah. are single mums. And they've gone into those homes like quick. And they're brand new when they've gone into there. That, that's an interesting... Yeah, well, but if you're a woman and even with MSD, if you're a solo mum, mm. it's not always like this, by the way. Mm. If you're a solo mother and you're homeless, you have a significantly higher chance of being put into hos- as a social housing almost almost immediately. 99% of the time you're going to go into e-housing. But if you go to places like Vision West, Kahui Tukaha, and you're a solo mum, and generally they lean towards supporting the mums because they have mm. the kids mm. and unfortunately our tiny tend to miss out um yeah it's it's a it's a, you know i sometimes take issue with it because i'm like well <laughs> you need if you need, if the if the partner is still a good parent can you house him too so that he has a healthy place for the kids if they're going to have co-parenting because that's sort of like a loophole eh? like um like i know such i know situations where the parents split up yeah. And then, but, and the mum gets the social home. Yeah. But if there's any inkling, there's another income coming in, then yeah. they'll they'll lose the home, eh? Yeah. And like sometimes that person is the actual father. Yeah. 
It's in. really weird how it's set up. So you you could have the father might not be paying any child support, hmm. but depending on how it's calculated, you still might end up losing some money on the benefit as a solo parent because of how they calculate it. Yeah, it's weird. Like I, I still I still can't get my head around it because because it's uh, calculated on the fact that okay the dad's gone that's it he's not gonna he's not gonna support he's not gonna give any money at all. Well, they they tend to they they, they so the way it works is they calculate. Um, so if they split, say in January, they they readjust the child support and the the benefit based on last year, so they don't look at present circumstances. Whatever's happened in the last twelve months, that would determine how much you're going to get for the next twelve months, and then it changes after that because now you're going to go, cool. So you guys struggled and suffered for the last twelve months. Now we're going to, oh. <laughs> now we're going to do something about it. We're not going to be preventative. We're going to wait for you to fall to the bottom of the cliff, and then, mm. then I'm going to pull up with an ambulance when you're already in hardship. But um, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not all grim and dark. A lot of, a lot of our men are getting nice housing. You know, so it's not, it's unfortunately, it's not so much also that it's men. It's also a fact that we don't have many single bedroom homes anymore. Mm. That's a big challenge at the moment. So a lot of NGOs and kind of order more than happy to house our single single men and women. But because families come first, you'll find a lot of them will go couch surfing or stay on the streets because there's simply not enough single bedrooms. Mm. So that's something outside of government and and NGO control. But yeah, so complex, bro. Yeah, there's so many layers around that. But yeah, and then you got the I heard then you got the five hundred ones coming and then. They need help. They need yeah. them housed. Yeah, and then you got an immigration quota. There's so many people that we have to look after, and for such a small country, sometimes I'm like, can we just put a pause on that for a minute? Mm. Let's just get everyone here okay first, so that we're in a better capacity to not just bring people in, but as a community, we can better look after them. But um, but then yeah, you know, how do we say no to people who are living in war-stricken areas? You know, they come here and. It's this is heaven for a lot of them. It's like wow, the only trauma is they miss their family. Man, I just all the townhouses going up around. There's heaps, eh? There's a lot, and I wonder if that's like supply and demand thing where there's so many and no one occupying them, and so that's why there's a, like a drop in what in I, the economy with, with residential homes. You know, I'm 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 a fan for those big community houses, those big buildings. Mm. What what's missing, and that's from um, you know a, a, a tried and tested formula that I did with the organisation I was with, where you had high complex people to low move in, all sorts of issues, but you had a team of social workers that were there during during the day, you had access to a nurse, a doctor, a psychologist, oh, or a counsellor in Avondale. There was and one it's in there. It's all in there. Everything. Oh. Yeah, and then you have security guards. You know, four guards working the shift at night time, constantly monitoring the car park, the front, the back, the school, every floor, just making sure the place is safe. Those are big houses, oh, the, those big um, apartments, so, just on the corner in the Avenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something that was that was tried and tested throughout COVID, and it did amazing, amazing results came out of it. And then, you, and then I, I I get sad when I see a lot of these other big apartments go up, and then I see no security guards, there's no social workers. And like, and you're wondering why people are screaming and people are getting hurt and stuff's happening. I mean, it's not 
I think another thing that we have to acknowledge is just how much of that statistic is bad. So we look at social housing and they're all bad. In actuality, 82, about 85%, this is a statistic I'm pulling from maybe 2001 maybe, don't quote me on that, but you'll find that about 85% of clients in social housing are actually good. 85%? About 85%, they're great. The other 15% is what generates, is what consumes most of the resources because of how complex they are. Just not getting a job and that kind of stuff. So much going on. That, that's a, bro, that's such an um, a easy go-to for so many people. Think, oh, it's, they're not getting a job. There's so much going on with some of these people. Within that 15%, you've got people who suffer from severe mental health issues, right. uh, severe paranoia, schizophrenia, um, um, mental health disabilities, physical disabilities, um, mentally challenged um, addictions, drug addictions, sexual addictions, you name it, that that 15% have got so much going on that it consumes an enormous amount of resource. And so you have to spread that out over the 85 that are good. So that's why you have low, medium and high complex clients. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's how they sort it out. Yeah. The low are the ones who are self-manageable. The medium ones, they're doing okay. They just need a reminder every now and then. The high complex ones are the ones that need constant monitoring. Right. And, and those are the ones who, um, um, you know, will have a higher failure rate because they carry so much. So yeah, when you go past those homes, you know, just remember that the majority of them are actually good. Mm. It's the very small amount that are causing issues. But because the media don't highlight that fact to everyone, we, we just buy into the whole news article headline, oh yeah, social housing, bad tenants. Blanket, yeah, yeah. But it's not not true i mean you had it was prolific in the emergency housing during covid but overall you would find yeah about 85 percent that qu- that data has probably changed since then so but i think it'll be about the same mm. the majority are not bad and i think the sooner we move away from that then some of our whanau who go into those places might feel so fucking ma for living in an apartment mm. but you know what the, these organizations you work for and used to work for like vision west and you know, there's all the data's there. Like it's it's amazing to me that sometimes the media don't want to push that. Yeah, kind of and the, and the good stories, eh? Because like like you said before in the beginning of the podcast, like sometimes we don't want to hear the good stories. Yeah, because it doesn't make money. Doesn't make money. <laughs> it doesn't exactly. make money. You know, it's so so. Um, the the media is a machine that is fueled by emotions. You know, the more sad, the more angry are angry we are. Then, you know, if you bro, if you go if you jump on the Facebook now and you watch the certain news media groups and you watch how many likes and shares they have on the articles that make you angry thousands mm. and then you know a happy article 50 and have you seen the um, facebook posts the comments <laughs> every, every time a herald story comes up yeah it's talking about misfortune and that like. yeah you read the you read the <laughs> comments man and, and it's always the, what cracks me about the comments is people will say something and i'm reading i'm going that's not even in the article, <laughs> which means you haven't read it. Yeah, let's read the headline. <laughs> just basing it on the headline. And I've been guilty of doing that when, when someone's checked me on it. And goes, Did you even read the article? And I'm like, be right back. <laughs> I see um, Facebook has that thing now. Like if you click on comment in this article, but you yeah. haven't clicked on the article, it will say, oh, can you click on the article and read it before you uh, comment? Oh, really? Yeah, there's a thing, like a safety thing. So I haven't been paying attention to it. But yeah, I, I'm reading now. I, did, I, I still make the odd mistake where I just jump the gun and then someone would check me on. I'm like, oh, my bad. Yeah, actually, I am wrong. I'll go back and read it and I'm going, okay, my point of view is more. Mm. 
but man, I'll, 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 sometimes I love reading the comments because some of them are funny, eh? like crack up, man. And like, like, in I remember talking to someone else on the podcast about this, looking at comments and like, man, if you didn't know, sometimes if you if you weren't aware that there's racism still here in New Zealand, sometimes you gotta go read some of these comments, man. You know, <laughs> and you'll see it, yeah, and you'll see it. But you know, Facebook is a platform where you put your real name on. You know, it's not like Twitter where you put a hide behind a fake name, but man, do these people know what they're saying is racist sometimes, you know, like I always I always I always find that term racism funny in a way because we there's check me if I'm wrong. Check me on that. But so we have the one human race and we go we have racism. I think what we have is ethnicism. Ethnicism. If, if that's even a word. You want to put an ism to it, um, yeah. It's I mean, it's weird how the, the the human species is pretty much all the same. Well, the PC people probably change it to ethnicism because racism might be triggering. You know? Triggering, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Don't take my word for that. But I always thought of that. I'm like, is it an issue between races or is it an issue between ethnic groups? And then you have what's the difference? Well, race is a species, right? You know, so you have different, you know, I'm not, I don't know much about animals, but if you have different types of zebra, you know, you're going to, what is it, zebraism? I don't know. Oh, right. I, know. I get you. you so a, human is a species, so yeah, we're so one race. We're one race, the human race. And so, and the human, then, yeah, the human, human race. And then we're going, oh, racism. I'm like, is it a race issue or is it an ethnic issue? Which is often drawn from misunderstanding, you know. Well, you're breaking it down. Yeah, and then you've got <laughs> then you've got culturalism, cultural issues. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, like like we spoke earlier about Fasamoa, and then you come to New Zealand, it's a different culture altogether. Well, well, culturalism makes sense for New Zealand born versus Samoan born. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but these differences, these these arguments between that too. Oh, but in my culture and my culture, and then Russell Peters summed it up nicely. When he went to India, he was like, man, I'm so Indian. I'm so Indian. And then he jumped out of the plane and the smell hit him in the face and he was like, he turned back into a Canadian super quick. <laughs> Whereas the Indians back home were like, what's the problem? There's nothing here. Hmm. And I was just like, bro, shit just hit me in the face. Spit up my nose. And like, I'm so Canadian right now. That's an example of culturalism versus ethnicism hmm. and then the whole race issue. When you peel it back, is it really about race or is there an understanding that about someone's ethnic group that you haven't been educated on yet. You know, and then maybe if you understood that, then we'll come back. And no, I just find the word racism funny. And I'm like, wait, so there's just one human race? So to say that we're racist would have to say that we all come from different planets. Mm. Well, that sort of, that, <laughs> that sort of, man, have you read um, Homo Sapiens? No, no, no. Or Sapiens? No, no. I probably watched the documentary on it. But it's an interesting book. We should read it because... It's from a perspective of, oh, it's it's the historian that wrote the book, Yuval Harry. He's a, I think he's an atheist. He's an atheist, but he call he. It's funny because he calls himself a humanist. Yeah. So that's not atheism, right? If you believe in something, you're not atheist. Atheist means you believe in nothing, right? Well, what's a humanist? Well, he explains it in the book, but um, so he writes this book, right? The history of the human race yeah. from. From caveman to now, right? Yeah. And but he writes it in a perspective as if he was an alien up there in space looking down. I like that. 
looking down and yeah. seeing what we're doing in history and yeah. following our hist- human history. So he's got like a neutral kind of, okay, we're doing this and that. Yeah. What does that mean? Oh, look, we got different cultures. What does that mean? Yeah. Oh, look, the Europeans, they got, they found technology first. So now they're traveling the world. Did they? Like, you know, <laughs> you know like, you know, they're the ones that colonized because they've got the technology, right? I'm not talking about the Egyptian days, like back. But you know, but that, I, I wrestle with that. What, well, they're know. the last colonizers, right? They were the last colonizers, but they so actually, they, but they did it with technology. They did it with ships. So, so ships, guns, and we had we had kind of we, we had waka ammo and spears ourselves. So, there's another narrative that's really sad: is that this whole savagery narrative about indigenous people. What mm. a lot of people don't know is that the settlers that came here came with sickness, disease, um, infections. They brought the flu over with them, and a lot of them were dying on the ships. They didn't know how to fish. They didn't know how to farm, and it was the indigenous people that taught them. Yeah. So when you mean that, so when people talk about they brought technology, I'm like, so who taught you how to farm the land? Who taught you how to navigate the stars? Because they were using compasses, bro, <laughs> to show them where to navigate. Whereas our people were going, cool. So that celestial star system is up in the sky. If we're gonna leave to go back to the Rotonga. We need to be heading that way, and then the stars are going to shift over the next two days, meaning we're going to be going right again. It's so. What is technology in that sense? Anyway, bro, I just I heard that comment. No, no, I, like, I get, it, I get, it, I get what yeah. you're saying, but it changes the changes the question. The yeah. question: Why? Why did they colonize the way they did, and why did everyone else stay where they are? Well, that's uh, the whole. I why the, did they get taken over? Yeah, the the part of. I think a lot of it was, was in, in my view, a lot of it was deceptive. You know, a lot mm. of it was under the false pretense of we're here to be one with you. And then time goes along and next thing you know, they betray everyone. They betray the indigenous people. And that's a common theme that um that you find through a lot of empires. You know, um, Genghis Khan did the same thing. Alexander the Great did the same thing. They came through and said, we're going to improve your lands and make things better for you. But if you resist, we're going to absorb you. You know, it's it's a similar thing that happened here. There was colonization by choice, not necessarily. We signed a treaty and then they went into our Marayan. Hmm. You know, so I'm like, is that colonizing or is that invasion? Is that terrorism or is it colonization? Colonizers when you set up a society. But when you start forcing a society to be integrated, is that still colonization or... Because colonization on its own, what is that? Mm. Versus the actions that have been taken. Now you're looking at a, a, a version of extremism, terrorism. Or just wanting to get um, uh, resources. Yeah, because we went to Samoa and we colonized there. Yeah. We went to Tokelau and colonized there. You know, but so who was there? No one. Well, you'll find in some Pacifica history that there were islands with different people already there. So you talk about the island of... You know, when Tonga and that island, in their history, they were already Vanuatu and, to, and um, Fijian people already there. Mm. So who who colonized who? Um, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like, colonization, what does that mean on its own? Versus, um, yeah. What is colonization versus the actions that are actually taken? Well, the, the current definition of that is just the Europeans taking over. Like, yeah. putting their values onto... Yeah. Indigenous people around the world yeah. and just conquer, con- taking over sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, now do, you shouldn't be doing this. We should do it our way. Yeah, here, here you go. Yeah, do this now. We don't like certain. We don't like 
We like the hula. We'll keep that. But now you guys, we don't want that thing. <laughs> In Hawaii, yeah. We'll keep that, but we, so won't keep, we won't have that. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. But the interesting, the interesting, I found interesting about that book was the whole thing about Spain and what they valued. Yeah. And it was gold. Yeah. And gold was something no one else valued. And yeah. the indigenous, like yeah. Aztecs and the and the Mayans, there was gold there. Yeah. But they just fall as a shiny rock, who cares? You know, that's an amazing thing. People came along and go, all oh, this is rare. Let's make it expensive. And the indigenous <laughs> people are going, it's a rock. Yeah. <laughs> who cares? Who cares? What is your problem with their rock? Uh. <laughs> so it goes into all that. It's pretty interesting, that kind of stuff. Even the, um, how they, like, you know, the American Indians. Like in the book, he says that when when Columbus went over to America, he actually thought that was India. Did he go to Columbus? Nah, let's not go down there. Carry oh, on, carry well, on. Yeah, I think it was Columbus. Col- yeah. When Columbus goes to America, he actually thought it was India. That's why he called them Indians, the yeah. indigenous there. And one of the funny things in that interaction was the the Native Indians, the Native Americans, could not figure out like, you want to buy our land. Who owns land? <laughs> you know, that was the concept then. It's like, since when does any individual own land? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We are one with the land, but to own it? I think um, Dave Chappelle did a joke on that. Yeah, yeah. He I actually it acted it out that moment. Oh, okay. Like, they come in and say, oh, we want to buy your land. And, what? <laughs> For like $10 or $10. whatever it was. And like, oh. And they were oh yeah, give me ten dollars, yeah, ha ha look this idiot gave me ten dollars for the land, ha ha. Yeah, you know, it, like stupid. Was it tennis <laughs> was it Tennessee he was talking about? Yeah, they they sold like Because mm. the concept is different, no. Yeah. And so the, the natives were like, Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay. It's like buying air. Buy hey. the air. It's, it's like, like buy the land. <laughs> yeah, you give me the money, yeah. I look I got free money. Yeah, yeah. Because this guy said he was gonna buy the land. Yeah. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Man, so many. I mean, it's so like it's beautiful when you deep dive into history and you learn about some of the stuff, bro. Mm. And the different. Um, man, I swim in that space quite a bit, and it's interesting all the different things that come up. Oh, well, the different perspective, yeah. eh? Like, yeah. like this book I'm talking to you about, like his humanist thing. Like because he's an alien looking down at, well, yeah. he doesn't get certain things that humans do, yeah. and it's interesting to look yeah. at that perspective, like like the wars or the culture, even the cultures kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, like they're talking about. He's talking about flags. Yeah, there's a bit of material with color. Why are we so? Why, why, why are these guys so like protecting yeah. a material with a color on it? Like, yeah. what the hell is that? Like, it's it's kind of like why are men running around with the with rubber <laughs> filled with air, and yeah. and putting it down on grass across the line, yeah. and then we're spending then we're spending millions to go watch. Yeah, <laughs> no. so he's always the leading culture. He's the leading religion. He's the leading everything and. That's the cause for the human problems in the history, you know. Like, why are we killing yeah. each other? Why are we? Good questions. Why are we hating each oh, other? You know? the, oh, bro, I have made. I wonder if I knew this guy in a previous life. I so agree with those questions because I look at history and I go, "Cool." So we allowed a small group of idiots to find a reason to hate somebody else. Then they created an army. Then they went and conquered someone who did absolutely nothing to them. Created a war. And then what happens is you learn from it. Okay, let's live in peace now. <laughs> and then another couple of idiots come along and say, you know, we're going to rule and, and it just repeats. And I look at it and I go, us humans are so thick, man. Can we just like, just you know what? You've got all that land. Just be happy. 
Like, you know when you look at how World War One started? That's the most stupidest reason ever, man. Just because these countries had a contract with each other to help, like, protect. And then, oh, I invaded this country, so my, my mate over here is going to back me up. Then, oh, you invited me. My mate over here will back me up. Like, and you, and you find the corporate machines behind, oh, bro, don't get me started on World War One and World War Two. Even the current wars that are happening right now, I, I look and I go, wouldn't it be nice if people just minded their own business? Yeah. You know, it's like, cool, you like that they have oil, you don't have it, ask for it. Or you don't want it for free, pay for it. You can't afford it, sweet. Mm. You know, could draw your own oil. Or are you going to go invade somebody else and then make up a reason to, I, I don't know. I, it's just like, I look at the people who've led armies and I'm like. <laughs> but it's the whole, it's the leaders of those armies that don't do jack shit. I, I look at, They're I just mean, sending, people are dumb enough to go and, Fight, you know that's why that's why <coughs> I you know, love love Muhammad Ali's argument against you know if you know yeah. you know you know Viet Cong man did anything to me why should I go fight the Viet Cong man you, what 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 water what beef do I have with him <laughs> so yeah that was cool eh? yeah that footage of him saying that but yeah man it's no no us humans are interesting and I think it's in all of us bro I and mean, it's not just white people it's in all of us you know when mm. we want something there's a part of us that go. What can I do to take that away so I can have it? <laughs> when it comes to war, I always remember that quote on um, the Godfather Part Two. Yeah. At the end, when um, when Sonny when he sees Michael he join the army, he gets mad. Yeah. He said, "Man, army ain't your blood. You remember that? <laughs> what? Why you want to fight for a stranger? Yeah. And army is not your blood. Yeah. You exactly." Know? That's what I never understand about war. We're sending troops over fighting in a war that has nothing to do with us. And you die in the war. Yeah. You've just lost your life. Like. Yeah. And I, I feel for our soldiers, man. I mean, I understand the need for soldiers and, you know, for those defense systems in place. But we wouldn't need it if, if countries just minded their own business and, you know what, built their own people, developed their own people, helped them thrive, build better economies. But we're human. There was going to be a few that want it all for themselves. You're going to have... You know, what's the saying I heard? Life is imperfect, therefore everything underneath it is imperfect. So no matter how hard you try and, you know, people say, oh, if Tesla was alive, mm. we, you know, if he didn't die, we'd have been a big thriving society. We're humans. Chances are that would have had corruption too. Was he a good guy? The Tesla did? I'm a fan of Tesla. He created some wonderful inventions that would have been to the betterment of mankind. But um, when you're ahead of your time, Mm. You know, a lot of narratives, bro, have written have written him out to be a crazy person, which is sad. But the man was brilliant. You know, these created systems that allowed all of us to live in harmony. Because when did he pass? I can't remember. Because I know eighteen hundreds or something. I never knew who he was. Like, yeah. I thought Elon Musk was the guy. But I didn't bro, know Tesla was a real nah. Dude Elon Musk that. was a, Elon Musk was just a guy who created the Tesla car, and then, bro, he bought the Tesla name for like three thousand dollars. Really? Some guy thought it was worth nothing. A guy actually trademarked Tesla, uh. and then he maybe it was more than three thousand, but it was bro, it was for peanuts compared to what the bro owns. And yeah, he put it in the car, and now it's a multi-million, what's well, a billion-dollar brand now. I wonder how that guy's feeling sitting at home. Sold that guy the Tesla name for three thousand. <laughs> so, so Tesla, what did he do? Is he something to do with electricity? Yeah, he created the concept of free energy. So oh. he created a machine that would absorb energy that's in the atmosphere and then convert it into everyday usable energy. So wireless, 
wireless technology is based on Tesla's technology. Oh. So Wi-Fi, it's all based on that tech. We can't use it to renew energy. We can. But we don't, yeah. It's not profitable. It's money to be made in fossil. <laughs> money to be made in fossil fuels. Oh, he's all using yeah. It's I mean I mean I can understand if I was a businessman and I had an electricity company that was making billions of dollars and I was that type of person, then I would go, hmm, why would I get free energy? I would lose all my empire. Mm. I'd lose everything. Or most of it, eh? But um yeah, that's humans. And yeah. It's amazing, eh? Population of six million people. And only about 50 people control the country. Our country. <laughs> do you think there's a, like a higher sort of secret power out there? Oh, do we want to open that can? I don't know. I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But I always hear it. It's it's a it's a wonderful subject. Um, secret societies have been around for millennia, bro. They've been around. But I think it's people want to hear, want and interested in it. Well, these, 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 these historical evidence that confirms that they were, oh man, I was just reading it the other day. There were societies in the day who, who their job was to come in and basically reset society. If it got way out of hand, that was their job, was to come in and try and fix the economy. And if it didn't, then it was, they had to do something to flip it. What? Yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's recorded. It's, it's, um, a lot of people kind of, I'm an iring about it. Yeah. And so the argument, the question now is that I ask is, do they still exist now? Not in the capacity that they did back then, I don't believe. I don't think that a secret society now controls everything. I think it's just a handful of wealthy people that have more money than all of us. But an actual secret society from like maybe a thousand years ago, probably not. I believe the obvious one is the the rich people. Like, you know, just they're lobbying where the politics goes. You know, like in America's yeah. worst case scenario. Yeah. You know, easy for them to do. Ugh, I don't even know why we follow America. I'm like, can we just delete <laughs> America from our social media and politics? Stop following them. There's such a divide. United States of America yet is the most divided country in the entire world. Mm. To get into the politics? Yeah. American you, politics? Yeah. You've, 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 you've got senators across multiple districts, states in America, all arguing with each other. Even Democrats are warring against Democrats. And yeah. so I look at American history, I look at American politics and yeah, they're amazing in finances, but a lot of us don't realize that we followed their economic patterns and we ended up with the same problems. Right. So my mindset now is with America is like, God bless them, you know, look after themselves. But, you know, do we need to follow America to thrive? I think we've got enough knowledge now to thrive on our own. But mm. because so many countries owe money to so many different countries... It's a bit hard to do that. I, yeah. I think they're, I think they're mad. I think they're crazy. Yeah, I love I've, the entertainment. Though. Yeah, the entertainment That's is like, really good. Yeah, <laughs> like honestly, every, every war that I follow through, that I follow, and I look into, them, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure enough, these America. Mm. You know, everything's going fine, and who's who's agitating it? Oh, yeah, it's America. And I'm like, and we're following them. <laughs> mm. Like, I mean, thank you to America for a lot of the stuff that we now have, but I think we give them way too much credit. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our smart tech didn't even come from America. That came from Asian countries who then Americans then went and tried to perfect and create their own patterns and so forth. Mm. Now, I, I, I love the, um, the, the, satire, the satire that comes that, that comes out for them, you know? Like, have you, on, you know, on, on Netflix right now, there's that um, movie, The Death of Stalin. Have you seen it? No. 
should watch it, man. I, I, I watch like, a lot of. I, I'm all. I'm just. Okay, I'll go watch it. It's crack yeah. up, man. It's funny. Then, it's a. It's a comedy. Yeah. But it's a dark comedy. Yeah. But man, the. Like it gives you a perspective, a funny perspective on what life would have been like in yeah. the Soviet Union. Yeah. In the in the fifties yeah. or in, in the fifties when he passed away, because the, the movie's about when Stalin passes away. So there's like yeah. a power vacuum. Who's gonna take over? Yeah. So all these leaders are trying to put themselves in position yeah. to take over. But but it's the whole lifestyle sort of thing. It's the paranoia. Yeah. Because you can't really everything's equal over there, right? Everything's equal. There's no rich, no poor. Yeah. The only rich people are the government. Yeah. You gotta do what the government say, tells you to do, otherwise you die or yeah. go to jail. Yeah. And th- and that's pretty much life in Soviet Union. You know, and it's yeah. it's a crazy kind of. But the the movie, what's funny about the movie, it makes fun of all this kind of stuff. It makes fun of um, the paranoia. So there's a scene where a guy gets a call from Stalin's office. Yeah. And he's and he's and there's another officer next to him. Yeah. He picks up the phone. And goes hello. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Seventeen minutes. Okay. Put the phone down. And then another guy goes, "Who's that?" Oh, that was Stalin's office. He, he said to. He said there's something important someone's kind of come over and pick something up yeah but for me to ring back in 17 minutes <laughs> and then the other guy goes oh, oh shit is it 17 minutes when you pick up the phone <laughs> or 17 minutes when you hung up and the other guy's oh shit i don't know that's an emphasis on how how stalin know. was very specific <laughs> with instructions that's that's very yeah. good <laughs> and so they were stressing out on on the 17 minutes like yeah. what's the time what's the time Shit, I forgot to um, time it. Like, and they were just so stressed out. <laughs> I you know, no, but it's that kind of it, they're making fun of the life, you know. Yeah. And it's really and it was ridiculous. Some of the stuff that Stalin did was ridiculous. Like, I understand he was a very precise man, but sometimes, like, dude, you got control issues. So oh, what? Yeah, yeah. So what? Someone was in the toilet for ten seconds longer than you like. <laughs> must, no, be, must have came from that then. It's no reason for you to go and top the guy. Yeah, he must be in there planning to take us over. Because when when the cops came to pick up what they were going to pick up, like they said, okay, I'm going to note that you're two minutes late. <laughs> we're trying to note that two minutes late, and then they walked off. Like, and then the guy was worried, like, oh, life is on the line. But yeah, but man, it's scary. Eh? Yeah. Uh, how would you like to live, man? Why would you want to live like that? I don't know. I just find it strange that millions of people would go, yes, sir. You are the prime minister. Yes, sir. You know, and, and people buy into the whole um the whole fear of missing out because they think something bad's going to happen to them. But then it's the um, because you know there's a book the um the gulags. Have you read that book? No, no, no. About what? I need you to send these these books to me, bro. After this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the archipelago, the gulag, the gulag archipelago. Yeah. You know, and it's about life in Russia at that time and the and, and the prisons. Yeah. But it talks about how um how it starts. Like that the people are encouraged to be equal. Yeah. Like there's rich people and there's poor people. Yeah. Poor people are allowed to go and take whatever they want from a rich person's house and kick them out. Oh my god. And everyone to make everything the same. Oh my god. Like just imagine overnight. Like it, it's Lenin, right? He's the first one, right? He makes this law like okay, everyone's equal. No more rich, no more poor. It's like free purge rights. The government is the gonna tell you what to do. Everyone's gonna be equal. The whole world. Yeah. Uh, the whole country. You know? And just on a grand scale. And if you don't agree, you go to jail. Yeah. Or get shot. 
Okay, and you're yeah, reading it's, books. It's, yeah. Man, that's... You, you go, what? What? What's the name, what's, bro, what's the name of that um, Taekwondo podcaster uh, Taekwondo I feel like this, this is becoming a Joe Rogan podcast oh yeah yeah Joe Rogan yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting when you look at that stuff I'm, I'm finding this quite awesome to talk the, the topics that you're bringing up gosh it's a bit tricky to have it with other people and they're like you right bro but, <laughs> but what I'm finding interested in it is the human nature of it yeah like and like I will never think that happened like everyone knows about the holocaust and hitler and all that yeah but no one knows about really about Pol pot and yeah bloody uh cambodia and yeah. then, then you got Stalin and what he's done linear linen and all that like you know these are man these are just as bad man or even, worse even the stuff that's happening right now in the congo like you know this yeah like there's like these yeah and, and and i think a lot of that has to do with because the information that we see is is beyond our control we see what we are told to see what was it um there's an american polit american journalist who's absolutely getting slandered in america because he calls them out for their nonsense and he's living in russia at the moment and the russians love him but if you go to american media networks he's just painted as this traitor evil oh. man I'm trying to remember his name that's not um tucker, tucker colston is it yeah tucker yeah no i didn't go to interview um uh a vladimir yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two-hour interview. The Russians like love him. And a lot of what Tucker says is he calls American out for the nonsense they do. And Americans, oh, you're a traitor. You're committing treason. And well, he got fired from Fox. So. <laughs> now he's got his own podcast. And for, doing telling his own the, thing. for telling the truth. What's wrong with yeah. oh, You hurt our feelings. You exposed us. And Fox is terrible. Gosh. Yeah, there's another media crowd that left America. They're based in Spain now, but they do a podcast every morning. Yeah. It's like a daily kind of show, news show. Yeah. Just a, it's a right wing kind of yeah stuff. Mm. Are these are these the, oh these an Australian media channel that I like listening to. Oh yeah, and and they exposed us so bad, but with, us with, yeah, but with satire. It's funny. I'll find it and I'll send it. Oh to yeah, yeah. My my brother Josh is forever sending them to me. <laughs> <laughs> like bro, this is awesome. We need this in New Zealand. You know, to yeah. make light on guys. Because how is it six million New Zealanders listen to one little lady that looks like the client of Helen Clark? <laughs> <laughs> and then just take the Mickey, man. There's um, I don't know if you do you listen to the platform. I've heard of that the Sean, platform. Sean Pumpkins. Yeah, because he got fired there from. Oh, he got let go from. I think it was Magic FM. Yeah, don't know who owns them. MediaWorks or I don't know which one. But uh, he got let go and he made his own like podcast kind of. Yeah. Kind of like, so I see the pattern like in America, eh? Like, you know, all these commentators, political commentators. Yeah. They go off and do their own thing. Yeah. They make a lot of money, eh? Yeah. Like, um... You do know that MediaWorks is an American company, eh? Is it? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know that. So, it's MediaWorks. So, you've got MediaWorks Australia, MediaWorks New Zealand. Mm. They are all under the parent company of MediaWorks USA. That's oh, okay. why our media sounds so American right now. Right. Yeah. MyFM, MediaWorks. So does Fox come under them somehow? No, they're separate. Um, oh no, maybe they are owned by. But I know MediaWorks that owns a lot of New Zealand media. Yeah, uh, yeah. There are there are um, no difference as to how Universal New Zealand is mm. under Universal Studios America. Yeah, but yeah. So I'm seeing the trend now with the right wing 
political yeah. commentary in the states. Yeah. So they're coming in here now with the with the platform. Yeah. Sean Punk, it's the same sort of thing, eh? Like trying to mimic what's going on. Yeah. Like doing your own, doing your own independent show. Yeah. And putting a paywall sometimes. Or yeah. Sort of using the skills from mainstream coming through your own thing. And generally, like I can t- yeah. And and when they own that space, they can actually use their journalistic skills without mm. somebody else dictating how they can how they can move. But sometimes it's dangerous. Sometimes because you get you end up having the echo chamber. Oh, heck yeah. You don't and get different perspectives, eh? You just get this perspective of Sean Blunkett. Yeah. And if you like him, you can listen to him. Yeah. And who cares about everyone else? Yeah, and then you buy into that narrative. Yeah. You know, it's I guess yeah. What's the saying? And it's saying too many voices. You know. Mm. It, you know, it corrupts your direction. You need to have one sound voice in your life. Yeah. I can't remember where that sounded, but but I get it. You know, it's when you have that one voice that's online and you're listening to it, and you just fall in love so much you don't bother to go back and read. You almost, in New Zealand, you almost have to wait till a guest goes on different shows to get different perspectives. Because if you go to Jack Tame, yeah. he's sort of left wing like right, yeah. center you're, left. You're teaching me now. Yeah. I think, I yeah. think, you, you know, when you go to Jack Tame show, it's sort of center left, so yeah. If a if a guest goes there, like recently it was Chloe Schaubrick, yeah, you get the perspective of Jack Tame, which is center left. Then if she goes on to Sean Plunkett, you get different perspective, different questions come, yeah. And you, so you probably need to hear both, yeah, because there's only one one side of both of these platforms. And it depends on the questions too. Yeah, if you're a good journalist, then you there was both a, ways, but was a Chloe Schaubrick was being interviewed. I don't remember who it was. Yeah, about the one that resigned for stealing. Oh, and then he, um, um, and he slipped in the middle of the in the middle of the question. He goes, "Oh, so we saw the video footage. Was that you in the background?" Oh, really? And it just and I went, "You dirty punk! You've just planted a seed in all the listeners, going, oh, she was part of it.'" And Chloe had, <laughs> and so Chloe's explanation after it was completely defeated now because the only thing that you could think about was, was it her in the back of that footage? And Chloe was like, how can you make that assertion? Because that's not even true. First of all, no, no, after that point, I would only hear what she said. All I heard was, was that you in the back of the foot? I have to listen to it twice. What's wrong with that is that you don't even see the face. Yeah. So you can't just say, was that you? Like, Well, he asserted that it was her. You know, we've looked at the footage and it shows, you know, is that you in the background? So he's but saying... Is it, that, like, but he's, is it conclusively her? Well, her alibi was confirmed. She was nowhere near it. Well, then he shouldn't have said yeah. that. Yeah. There's but no proof. But you understand how clever that move was. Yeah. See, that's leaning towards the, um, the opposite. So, yeah. You know? Yeah. See, so that, that's a sabotage, eh? Yeah. Because now anything that comes out of her mouth just sounds stupid because, oh, she, it probably was her. Mm. You know, she was part of the theft. She should resign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very clever. Yeah, that was that was interesting. She, she um, yeah. For a lawyer to steal, like, nah, that's not only. Yeah, public figure like that. What I didn't agree with was how the media hammered her. Yeah, like they even knocked on her door and. Hey. That's the media for you, bro. I mean, these I mean, surely the story was enough. Bro, I remember um, a client, a client lost his his partner. On the same day that I don't know how they heard about it, bro, how it got out, the same day that it happened. The media was already outside the door. What? Yeah. Oh, we heard that you lost your partner and your baby. I'm going, how? You guys not have any mindfulness of the family? They're outside vans, freaking umbrellas, tents outside, yeah. you know, trying to paint a story of something 
sinister had happened when it wasn't. It was actually something really sad. It was a medical event that had nothing to do with any foul play, mm. but they just blasted it all over the media. And I was like, they just died this morning and they're already parked outside the house. Mm. <sighs> That's adopting the American kind of mindset there. Like, yeah. you gotta so ha- you got to have the news first. Yeah, so someone must have posted it on their Facebook and then they must have shared it, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. Mm. And then someone in the media must have picked it up and go, oh, where's this? Yeah. What do they call that? Gorilla tactics? Gorilla. gorilla, gorilla <laughs> it's a gorilla mindset. Is Yeah. Well, that was like, that's, yeah, it's, it's the composition. Yeah. First like, then. But the first thing, the reason, one of the reasons why I think is because of advertising's gone from mainstream media. Yeah. Now, advertising's gone towards Facebook and social media platforms. Yeah. Because of the data collecting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you couldn't get that information when you just put an ad on TV or yeah. an ad on the newspaper, you know? Yeah. So all that money, revenue from ads are gone. Yeah, from. so these these scripts that are that are written into into some Facebook pages, especially the media ones, when you like a comment, they get access to your information. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you get things like, and you know what I mean, all the insights and stuff like that. It yeah. blows my mind how it was a friend of mine that does, that's in the the world of the internet and stuff like that. And he goes, this is how you do it. So he, so he took me to a page of his that he created and goes, just go like the post. I clicked like. On the other end of his computer, he was getting my full profile. I'm like, what? <laughs> this, pers- this person posts this. So this this soft thing was scanning yeah. my Facebook page and it gave him patterns, how often I posted, what type of reactions I would give. And that was separate to the interaction, the insights. They, like, this is a normal Facebook page. This is not a public page you know i'm going holy heck that's how easy our information is accessible mm. because yeah bro yes because <laughs> you know how fast those ads come up <laughs> when you already clicked on something yeah and then they show up on your social media platform you know what i find annoying right now uh-huh. is that i pay money for premium service on spotify so that i don't listen to ads and yeah. now when i listen to a podcaster that i enjoy they weave their ads into their podcast i'm like Oh, they're going to do it now with um, Joe Rogan. I think he, Man. he signed a new deal. 250 mil for another three years. Man. But his, his stuff's going to be non-exclusive now. It's really annoying. It's like, before we continue with our story, let's give a word to our sponsors. And I'm like, I paid money for me not to listen to ads. <laughs> and now I have to listen to an ad. <laughs> well, I think podcasts are going to be an exception. Because they, they need to make money, the actual podcast. Though. Yeah. Yeah. What do you put on YouTube channel? Like I listen to the guy on YouTube, and yeah. I've got and I've got a subscription there. Well, it's a free trial at the moment, and it's the same thing. I'm like, okay, cool. This thing is no ads, and then ten minutes into the into the documentary, before we continue, make sure to click subscribe and we get a word from our sponsor. <laughs> and I'm trying to do the dishes, and I'm like, the whole point of an ad free thing was to listen to it seamlessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> so Drew um, What's happening with you And your, your podcast Are you still going to Are you going to carry it on Or have you got ideas Or how to do it Or Are you still going to do it Yeah well, it's, it's pretty good I'm just That's pretty oh, good Oh man It's it's The whole procrastination thing And the whole prioritizing of it um, Of getting it done I do want to continue with it But it's getting myself To a level of commitment Of sitting down And just do it Yeah Yeah You're, you're a good talker And I was impressed With how you can just talk to yourself. Well, thank you. And because that man, I try to do. Man, you know what? 
I tried to do it uh, a solo podcast. Yeah. Ah, I stuffed up. I, mean, like, so I can't do it, man. It's hard. It's these, really hard. These are cheat from that. I learned that from radio. Oh, yeah. What, what was it? Because cause in radio, you're actually talking to yourself. Yeah. You know, so, I can't do that. I couldn't yeah. do I tried. I, man, I tried many times. Yeah. I even wrote things down. And like, I still fucked up. And <laughs> You know, it's really hard. I couldn't like... um. Because there was heaps of gaps. Because I was thinking about... And then oh, I can't have that much gap. You edit them out, bro. You edit the gaps out. Oh, I don't do that. I just want to flow like normal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I prefer talking to people. Cause, yeah. You know, but when you're by yourself, it's a different beast. But yeah. when, when I heard your podcast, it was like 30 minutes of you talking. All these ideas. And I was impressed about you just did uh-huh. it. You know? Too kind, brother. Like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. So it's like, oh man, I need to talk to myself more like Joseph does. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up in the morning, talk to myself. Mm. I don't know. It's um, thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a. I think I just talk heaps. That's why it's so easy. But mm. no, it's a radio cheat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to cut the gaps. Yeah, and because you just kind of get used to even emceeing, you learn how. You know, people see emcees on stage and they think, oh, they're talking to us. No, they're not. Mm. They're looking at the back of the wall. Because, you know, all your ideas, did you have them in front of you written down, like, in bullet points and just talk about each bullet point as as you go? Or? Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. I learned I learned the hard way. You, sh- you should see the other stuff. I'll, I'll unlock them in the next couple of days mm. and you'll hear the difference between, oh, okay. you know, <laughs> deliberate preparation versus winging it. Mm. And so the, that particular one, it took me about a week. A week, the actual audio was about an hour long. But I pieced it and I cut it right down to kind of the key points that I wanted to talk about. And that came from, yeah, just from just from reading stuff from like John C. Maxwell and Les Brown and how to be a bit more specific. Mm. So if you, yeah, that's why I messaged you. I'm like, that's actually one of the rules that John C. Maxwell says. If you're going to go on a show, send them these questions. Like, so you know what you want to talk about and that oh. you're always adding value to it. Oh, nah. <laughs> Check that so, out the window in yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. So like for that that one went on. I said I I re-recorded that podcast maybe five, six times in one night. Oh really? Yeah, oh, I, I wouldn't have known that. I was trying to structure it. Oh, okay. And then I went, hang on a minute. Went back over my notes. Which of these topics that I want to talk about that I know naturally right. remove the rest. Mm. And then that's what made it easier. I stuck right. within that structure. And he went back and edit, edit, mm. edit, edit, edit the, um, uh, <laughs> 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 what, what kind of mic did you, did you use? Oh, it's a road to something. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. a dynamic and he picks up yeah. in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I've got some other, some other USB one. I spent mm. like 200 bucks on it. Waste of money. Mm. So tingy, crackly. And then I, and I looked it up and I saw the reviews and I'm like, I just got duped yeah <laughs> so i'm just thinking like so for your content and that like, is it just going to be about your experiences as a pacific islander growing up in new zealand and the, my the different pod- topics around that every episode it'll, my, my podcast would be things through my perspective and and, and understanding two sides of the coin so that's what I want to deliver with the content. And if I remember from that particular podcast, I would talk about certain issues with my mom and dad. And then I would explain why they were the way they were, which I find is missing with a lot of our Pacifica 
content around that area is this is through Joe's perspective I then go away and do some proper research mm. and make sure that I'm reading over the the food and taking it in and by the time I deliver it to the audience it's now second nature yeah mm. so looking forward ahead would it be like uh, weekly I want it to be weekly like if it was weekly yeah. like if for, for the rest of your life right yeah so what how would the content change so because there's going to be multiple right yeah like would it be a commentary what's going on it'll um, be it would have current it, events yeah it would be I'd, I'd be riding the wave of what's currently hot hmm. on the different platforms um and then just offering perspective like hmm. my first podcast was supposed to be about kanye west right because everyone called him an idiot yeah <laughs> The different, diff- <laughs> no. So he's a bit of a weirdo. Jay Z said the exact same thing that Kanye West said about the the Grammys being rigged. Right. The difference was, this is why people call him crazy. It's because of the method. Kanye was rude. He interjected. Tay It was really. It was real bratty. Whereas Jay Z was quite. He used his moment, and spoke eloquently, rather than interrupt it but yeah so that that's i told myself ages ago do one do one every week do one every week and then just and be able to make sure that i prepare these these a book now i can't remember what it's called bro the 16 something laws of communication or something but it the chapter that i'm on at the moment is about preparation mm. so if i'm going to talk on a topic that i'm going to at least spend at least four or five hours of reading right yeah yeah do you, do you read or do you use audiobooks? Hmm? Do you do audiobooks or do you read? I prefer reading. Yeah, I prefer reading too. I prefer one reading because I can stop and highlight hmm. things that stand out and have a bit more control over it. And, and I don't, oh man, Audible kind of annoys me because it's so AI. No, yeah. Chapter one, <laughs> in the beginning, and I'm like, oh, that irritates me. So I'd rather have a quiet moment and read the book. I, I prefer reading Yeah. because I like looking at the words. Yeah. But, um, time has forced me to do audiobooks instead yeah i hate it but I, i've I, got no time to read anymore yeah. like it's, it's convenient for me to audiobook because i listen to it in the car you know, I, I can get through a book in a week yeah. you know what um there's a there's a i'm trying this method out at the moment um where i read for 15 minutes or i read one particular chapter that that just focuses on one topic and that top that that chapter so john c maxwell is really amazing at writing mini big books that sounds weird eh so we're used to one chapter being about 40 pages his chapter is like two but mm. it's so deliberate with everything and this guy was telling me read just read that one chapter and then regurgitate that stuff go over it again and then rehash what you've learned from that one little chapter mm. and i realized oh i learned so much <laughs> so i turned this i turned like a five paragraph chapter into like 15, 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'd, I'm the same, bro. Like, well, they say to read books twice, just especially yeah. books like that, just to get the just again. Yeah. Well, the first the first time around is to enjoy it. Yeah. The second time is to now study it. Yeah, get yeah. into it there. Yeah. But um, no, I can appreciate the whole listening to it. I find listening to be a heck of a lot better because you can, you can what do you call it? You can stack it, eh? You're in the middle of something and then you stack the podcast on top of it. You can mm-hmm. listen to it rather than, you know, you're doing your designs and you reading the book and next thing you know you remove the centimeters and you put c4 yeah, yeah <laughs> or yeah. c4 chapter five 
Well, I was putting it off. I was putting audio books off for ages because I didn't want it to interrupt the podcast. Yeah. Because I had the podcasts I listened to. Yeah. Obviously. And then I didn't want the audio book to interrupt it. Yeah. I'd rather read. Yeah. But then the time factor came in. Oh, just audio book it. <laughs> Even though I like reading it. Have but you- I, I heard that if you buy the. If you buy Kindle and the audiobook is cheaper, you can you can read plus here. Bro, I'm one of those guys where I will surf the internet and I can find an alternative, the same version, without necessarily having to enter my card details per se. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> YouTube's good. For, YouTube's got some yeah. audiobooks. That, so, so many li- yeah, yeah, so many libraries online, and you know, whereas I kind of look at and I go. I'll look at the different channels. Do you know the different different Amazon pages? You'll find this. There was one book that I was told to buy. It was thirty five bucks on this one particular platform. Yeah. Then I went to Amazon and it was fourteen dollars. Like, <laughs> I'm insulted. <laughs> so I went to my mate who's, who deals with a lot of audiobooks and you know and and what do you call it the the Kindle books and that and the PDF stuff. Yeah. And I go, do you have this book? She goes, oh yeah, it's in my library. He goes, can you send it? She goes, yeah, okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> easy. <laughs> but I'll still pay for. I don't like paying for online stuff. I prefer to actually go to the store and buy the hard copy. Hmm. It's an experience for me too. Like I've purchased this book, the feeling of it in my hands, the smell of it, and then knowing that I'm going to be tucked away in my bed. Yeah, I've, I'm. I'm struggling to find a new book to read. There haven't been any particular book that these are interest me. Um, but man, when I first started reading, like. When I really got into it, man, I bought heaps of books, man. Like, have you ever you heard of a book called "What I Say When I Talk to Myself"? No. What I say when I talk to myself. I can't remember who authored it, but it's there's only one book that's online. Um, I'll send you the name when I get home. But that's an amazing book. It talks about programming, the stuff that we spoke about earlier. Oh, yeah, and it just breaks it down for me anyway. It's like breaks it down for dummies like me, so I can understand. Yeah, what self talk is and what pre-programmed things are in the human mind. What comes to mind right now is that we're normalized. Yeah. Normalizing. Because you can normalize anything, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and no one says it's good or bad, but it's just normalized. Yeah. But because it's normalized, you you probably don't know if it's good or bad because you never see another perspective of it, right? Yeah. Like how we were talking about how our culture... No, talking to not talking back yeah and that that's normalized mm. for us yeah you can see with the indian culture a lot of the, the videos it was a lot of the music videos and movies you never saw the characters kissing mm. or being sexual in any way in, mm. the, in the music videos now it's slowly being normalized where the indian content is being americanized because normalized can be used against you eh? yeah. can be like you know when PC stuff when they say normalized all the time, we should normalize this. We should normalize that. We should normalize. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's what? What are we normalizing? Is it really uh, good who, for who us? Who made you yeah. the authority of normalizing yeah. that? Like, have you looked at every other angle? That's on, it. On why that shouldn't be all normalized? <laughs> and, and and that's why we need to. That's why we need to check, check all these different groups that are coming up with all these different arguments. Mm. Um, you know, we had the whole gender thing that was going around for a while the whole binary stuff and that and and it impacted you so you know the whole um do you know how the whole out the whole movement around gender disney went so hard into it 
that they lost nearly 60% of their stock. Mm. Yeah. For a small group of people. You saw it in all their movies. Yeah, so so they lost nearly 60% of their stock. That's why Disney's now cutting back on so much content because they can't afford it anymore. Mm. And Apple's just hovering on top going, just say when and we'll buy you out. Well, Star Wars was the big obvious one. (laughs) Star Wars, (laughs) they ruined Star Wars of that shit. Yeah, and it was, I mean, even the whole Marvel series, a lot Mm. of dedicated fans came out. Um, I was part of that petition. It was like, don't touch our favorite characters. You know, honor them for what they are. And if you want a character that represents a certain group or gender, then while we already had different heroes that represented ethnic groups, mm. you know, um, you had them, you know, Miss Marvel, the young Islam, Muslim girl, you know, that with her superpowers. And then you've got Wakanda, you know, representing the, mm. the African community. And there's so more. You've got Morph, who was Chinese. You know, people don't realize that Deadpool and Wolverine are Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> people don't realize that stuff. And then, you, like, if you want to create a character that is specific to a certain group, then create one. Mm. But don't touch the... Don't make um, Indra's album the next James Bond. Like, create a new black James Bond. Like, don't make something else. Hey. Yeah, like, give, give, him a, give, him a, give him a different character altogether. <laughs> make him a... Or find a way to merge um, with it, James Bond with... Uh, what do you call it with the Kingsman? Make interest <laughs> come from there. Well, Kingsman is an example of making another character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's based on a book, but yeah. yeah. You're creating but, a complete... You, can, you don't have to put him in the... Like yeah. the... What's his name? The the, the Marcellus? The yeah. Black Spider-Man? What's oh, his name? What's his name? Um, Miles, Miles Morales. Miles Morales. Yeah. yeah. So the... But that was a Congo, but still, there's doing the PC stuff there. Yeah, like. but but Miles Morales has been around for years, bro. Mm. He he was invented ages ago. But he wasn't a Spider-Man, was he? Or was he? Yeah, he was in an alternate universe. Oh, that was part of right. a whole Spider-Verse. So a lot of fans don't know that the Spider-Verse goes back some 30, 40 years. It's mm. old. But a lot of those Spider-Verse Spider-Men, they weren't. They were just normal guys. Because I knew yeah. that Spider-Ham. Yeah. Peter yeah. Parker. Yeah, Peter Parker. Yeah. Spider Ham. Yeah, there's so many different. I remember that one. Yeah, and so these, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for supporting the different community groups, but it's like, if you really want to have pride in yourselves, then get someone within your community, who has the wealth or has the artistic ability and story ability to create one. Mm. That's what you should do. One that's unique to your people. Invent them. Create them. Don't know if you ever heard, saw that Taika Waititi video when he's talking about diversity in film. I 100% agree with him. That was mean. I 100% agree with him. That was mean, eh? Yeah. Like I said, if if I was to write my own movie about my own personal life, I'm not going to go fit in all these different people that were never there. (laughs) So don't come at me if I create a movie about my personal upbringing with witnesses and then get angry because I haven't included your group. It's not that I'm not excluding you. Mm. That's why I agree with you. I didn't have those people growing up. I like when you said... (laughs) I don't know why you want to make a movie and put a Polynesian person in there when it doesn't make sense to have a Polynesian person in that yeah. particular film, you know? Like, exactly. But he, he um, compared it to Succession because it did well in the with the awards and that and, yeah. and the numbers. And it's a story about a whole bunch of rich white people. That's the truth. Yeah. Like, that's what I want to see. Some yeah. truth. Some truth. <laughs> what, what the actual story was about. <laughs> Not at all these different little... <laughs> But man, and then you know what? F- funny. I, I, a few weeks later, I watched the 
they did a uh uh TV show on um on Greece. Yeah. Like with the was the, mm, did you see that? There's a TV no. show about Greece, but not Greece. The it was a in the same universe. I think it was about the um what's the girls, the pink ladies? Was it the uh, pink? Yeah. yeah, it was about them. I can't remember the name, but yeah. Yeah, it's about them. Yeah. But it was the same universe. I know the boys were the T Birds or something. Yeah, yeah, T Birds. Yeah. So it's it's around that, right? Yeah. The first episode, right? Because my missus, she's into Greece and all that. So yeah. she was excited when they put out this new TV show. Watch the first episode. And the, and the whole first bit is a dancing, right? Dancing yeah. at a drive-in movie theater. Yeah. Of the, of the shop where the kids go with their, you know, the jackets and the A. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. all that. And get the popcorn, go with the girls with the skirts. There was every single ethnicity in that dance scene. There was a Chinese, there was an Indian, there yeah, was a black. It's... There was white. There was every, yeah. you know. If, if it was a stage theater, it makes perfect sense. I was like, what the hell? But if you're gonna if you're gonna create a movie based on a certain era within a certain town, then you want to be as specific as to what the era was going through, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't care. There's no Samoan in there. That's fine. I still love the show. But doesn't make sense. <laughs> but my <laughs> feelings are hurt. There's no one from Vailoa Alipaka in there. Put him in there now. <laughs> but see, that that spoke to what Taka was talking about. It doesn't yeah. make sense. No, you know, especially when they were like, you know, we don't, I'm thinking about that particular scene, and I'm going, I don't remember that era having Tahitian people here. <laughs> I don't remember Korean people being there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I get it. It's because we're we're pandering to um, groups that feel left out, and mm. it comes back to something that I'm trying my best to learn recently. Is we have a lot of people who, instead of doing the hard work themselves. And creating some level of accountability, they'll blame somebody else. I feel left out because Marvel and DC didn't, you know, make their character this and that. So you're not left out. Be the be the founding member of someone who invented a brand new list of superheroes. Mm. Like, I, I encourage that. But then they're not going to do that unless they give us the power to do that. They give us, they tell us, okay, we want you to make it. Oh man, these you can create a comic book online now. There's so many artists who create amazing content. And who are from those communities, but they don't get supported. And so I'm going, I don't understand. You know, it's like you got members within your community that would really appreciate your support, but you're not getting behind mm. them. Especially with Polynesians, with you know, with movie making, especially yeah. in this country, because you you never know how much control the white people person has on on our stories. You know, and it's kind of like, oh man, you can kind of see when we see our stuff on TV. Yeah, and some of the dry jokes, and that's not a island joke oh bro <laughs> you even, know even some of the, the 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 island movies that have come out in new zealand i've watched them and i've cringed yeah and i'm like that's not even who we are you've, nah, s- nah. you've sold an urban version you've stole you put stereotypes from new zealand born islanders and applied it to a traditional format exactly okay and to me it's like ticking boxes stuff yeah. ticking boxes stuff yeah. and to me that just makes me think man you know what? they really don't care about us they just want to please yeah you know the world by you know yeah. being oh we're part of this new society now you know yeah kind of thing but it's not right man yeah. you know it's not right it's a sort of like invasion kind of thing like it's a you know yeah a lot of a lot of like when i look at i mean i appreciate the hard work that went into it um you know i don't want to knock anybody's craft but there's so many elements to that that i find challenging is i look at some of this content that comes out and i'm like oh cool it's the same guys again it's yeah. a similar comedy, and yeah. it sounds very bro-towny. Excuse me, guys. Um, 
you know, um, I struggled with that show. You know, we're working so hard to remove a label. Oh, you coconut comes out. I'm like, oh. Well, you know, you should watch American oh, Fiction. Jeff, he's a Mari. I've seen. Like, oh, man. Watch, you should watch that movie, American Fiction. Yeah. That Jeffrey Wright movie? Yeah. Have, okay. you seen, have you seen that? No, no. Oh, uh, this just came out. You should watch it. It's about this black um, author. And he yeah. writes books. He writes l- literature that doesn't get like uh, bestsellers and all that. Yeah. It doesn't get, it doesn't make money. Yeah. But it's stories, it's not about, it's not about black people. Yeah. The books he writes. You know, it's, I don't know what it's about, but it seems like it's not about black people. Yeah. But, these new authors, he goes to he he gets invited to like a a book signing thing. Yeah. But there's only about three people in the crowd coming to him. Yeah. But next door, there's another black woman author, and it's packed. Yeah. And she reads a part of her book, and she's saying the slang, the yeah. street slang. Yeah. Like my mom is this blah yeah, yeah. blah, and it's like a, a gangster kind of thing. Yeah. And all the balangis in the room go, oh, like, you know, and he's there watching, like, what the fuck, like. What's this? What is this crap? Sounds like, very eight miley. You know, <laughs> such way as a halfway crook. <laughs> you know, she yeah, it's that kind of language, yeah. right? And it's and she's got a bestseller. Yeah. You know, and but he's disgusted because he's thinking, "Fuck, we're trying to be past all that kind of stuff." I agree. Right? Yeah. So that's his mentality. Anyway, as a joke. Yeah. He decides to write a book like that. Yeah. But he doesn't want to put his name on it. He puts yeah. a fake name. Yeah. And he makes himself like a uh, ex-con. Yeah. That's written this book. <laughs> And he, and he, as a joke, as a joke, yeah. like, like he's pissed off at what he saw. He decides to do this as a joke. Yeah. Gives it to his publisher, and then his publisher, oh man, that's not kind of your stuff. Yeah. And then I don't care. I just want to fuck make what sells. Just just make what sells. Like just do it. See what happens. Yeah. Okay. And he goes and gives the pub- and then they pick it up. Some white publishing pick it up and they love it. <laughs> and he, they tell him, and he's like. Really? Are you we serious? love what you're doing here. Are you serious? So, but now they want to meet him in prison. Now he has to act like he's a gangster, like straight out of prison. Yeah. So he does this, he does this, and he, yeah, and like, his book becomes a bestseller and all that. Yeah. And he really hates it. He really hates it. And then, he decides to stop it. Yeah. Right? So he, he, he doesn't want any more of this. Right? He wants yeah. to stop it. He wants to stop the, um, how it's, coming up in the times bestseller list yeah, and all that stop producing it and yeah so he up. decides to tell the the publishers I want to change the name yeah and they're like oh I don't think you should like it's good how it's it is like, formula, yeah, yeah it's, and now I want to change the name otherwise no deal he goes yeah. oh okay what name do you want and he goes I want it to be called fuck <laughs> and they're like um uh, I don't think that is well. Nah, if you don't want to, do, I don't want to be called fuck. Otherwise, not nah, no deal. Yeah, because he doesn't. He wants to end it. Mm. And then they come around. They say, you know what? It's raw. We love it. We want to. And he's like, Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> but you know, it's like, it's like the gatekeepers, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever's trending in society, like with yeah. this whole diversity shit, yeah, like. The white people are always the ones that are kind of let things come yeah. or go, and unless you're not the, unless you're not talking about the narrative they want, yeah. If you're not pandering to that, yeah, specific niche, yeah, because it generally it is them you're marketing to, really. If you think about it, 
so um i can't remember which which island movie it was which showed the same one guy sleeping in the folly when he went there and i'm going i guarantee you if most of us kiwis go back home we are not going to be sleeping in the folly at all we're going to be sleeping in our house mm. <laughs> no one's going to pick you up and carry you in the middle of the night because you're not going to sleep that deep <laughs> Was that the, the Free Wise Cousin? I think so, yeah, free yeah. Wise Cousin, yeah. There was so much stuff in there that I was cringing and I'm like, that's that doesn't even happen back home. Why are you selling that narrative? But I get it. It's a creative interpretation of 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 what the writers perceive to be. That's what it is. Because the message wasn't really about Samoan culture. It was about a boy coming to the conclusion that, you know, he's he's been protected. He's, he basically needs to be grateful. Mm. But yeah, bro. But it doesn't sound, it doesn't appeal to a lot of us. I don't know, maybe people like me who are thinking like, I don't associate with that. But it, it sells to the certain other audiences that like it. Well, we can't make anything unless it's got backing, right? Financial backing. We, yeah. we just don't have any financial backing. Mm. You know, and the backers are white. And the backers are, and the backers will go, okay, we need to put our flavor in there somewhere. Yeah, I think too, I think there are a lot of Pacifica and Māori people who've got the money to back us back that industry but then i i kind of wonder why aren't they investing they're not interested in you the know? business i guess yeah, i don't know you know it's like i'd like to know you know how many of our people out there that are in the investing space for things that actually thrive but like it's like do we really need a white rich person to have that funding no you know we can have our own people do it and it shouldn't be an issue i guess it's something where i hope to be a millionaire one day is to just like look just make the movie as true as possible don't add any stereotypes in it to sell. Just make a proper, decent movie. Hmm. Well, if what's that um, Blair Witch Project? What, only 50 grand to make or something like that? Are you that young, bro? 80, 80 grand to make? <laughs> well, then what makes millions after that? I had nightmares after that movie came out. I actually thought it was real. But a good example of what we're talking about that actually worked was with um, that movie Boys in the Hood. Yeah. Um, John Singleton. That's all him. Yeah. And that's his experience growing up yeah. in South Central LA, you know. It's through his point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 Universal Pictures took a risk. Yeah. Getting the student. He was a student at the time. That's right, yeah. Take a script and make Did, it into a movie. Didn't he sell the rights to it and then he got it back? Probably, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he but, went, he went but through, he, yeah. Nobody believed it. No, no, he yeah. he um said he's you can only buy it off me if I direct it. That was the deal. Ah, that's what it was, yeah. yeah. And there was a huge gamble because yeah. this nobody wants to direct a movie. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He just came out of films or he must be still yeah. a film or just came out. But that's a good that's a yeah, that gamble paid off, I guess. Yeah. And that's a yeah, that's a perspective of something real. Someone yeah. took a chance on. Yeah. And that's what we need, people like that to take a chance on us to yeah. Create something, yeah. Make something, yeah. I guess I'm one of those cringy people. Is it needs to be authentic. Like, was it there was a movie about the Samoans and a, is the Samoans on a soccer team? Oh uh, yeah, the um, last goal wins. Yeah. yeah, and I'm listening to the guy playing the the coach, and I'm like, that's not even a proper fallback scene. The amount of uncles that I grew up with don't talk like that. That's a New Zealand born mm. boy <laughs> putting on <laughs> 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 such small things. But I'm I look at it and I go. Eh. Yeah. But I get it. But it's yeah, perspective, stereotypes. Mm. Yeah. What does authentic mean to you? Like in terms of what you want to do in your podcast? Because Yeah. Yeah, it's 
so like imagine you're gonna do this for the rest of your life an episode every week yeah like what's authentic during that long span of time you're gonna do it be be honest with just me just being honest with myself and my point of view mm. and having the humility to I guess an element I want to bring to my audience is, is the humility to accept that if in case I've said something wrong not like in a sense if I've misquoted factual data then have the humility to come back and say okay I got this part wrong but being authentic means that I'm not going to follow anyone else's trend mm. like um like I went like I yeah I I I can I know I know I can I know if, I don't know if you can relate to it, but I I just find I can tell when I'm listening to someone and they're not being authentic. Am I making sense? Yeah. You know, and it's um, it'd be a good laugh for those who are listening if this part's in the podcast when we when we're in certain church environments. Hey, how are you? It's great to see you. Mm. Hey, get your cup of coffee. Set on one. It's gonna be a great message and. Uh, Enjoy the praise and worship. So blessed to have you here, Joseph. And uh, hey, it's a great day. <laughs> <laughs> that to me, I'm like, <laughs> nah. that's not authentic. You nah. know, that nah. I know it's an act. So that, yeah. you know, being able to recognize, you know, and, I, and you see it in so many different levels. And I do hear content online and yeah, I can, I can hear kind of like in the first kind of 10, 15 seconds and then I switch. Mm. because I can tell the person is following someone else's tone, tonality, presentation. And I, I feel sad because I, I only struggle to listen to it because I can tell that they have a more authentic voice, but they're hiding it because for whatever fear of people not appreciating them. And there was one guy channel that I was following. He had a very thick Indian accent and he was doing horror videos, bro. he was getting hammered on the comments for his accent. For next because nobody understands it. And then he changed it to it was a real weird kind of English accent. And bro, it just annoyed me. And I was like, that's oh, not yeah. you. <laughs> it's not you. It's, now I can't listen to you anymore because I actually like the Indian accent. I like listening to it because there are there are certain tonations that I've learned through friends that I resonate with and goes, Oh yeah, I get what he means. And then to change, yeah. So for me, being authentic is um being real to who I am who I am, you know, and what I mean by that is that, that I might say some things that'll make you go, I saw this guy's out the gate, it's like, no, it's just me being human, mm. I'm not going to put on an act and be perfect for you, just to fit your social media narrative, mm. and it's to offer perspective that's, that as best as I can, recognize all the different points of view, because my goal is not to, my, my goal is to educate and bridge people, yeah, that's a yeah. That's 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 always been that's my goal at the moment is bridge people. Mm. I really want our parents, bro, and our generation, and the, the ones that are coming, to have a really strong connection to understand where we're coming from, and because it gives you that different level of confidence. And an example of that is my nephew in Australia. He, he was shielded from all the stuff that went on, the history of our people, the bloodline, and then I shared it with him. We were told, don't tell the kids that because it could traumatize them the history of our family, who we come from, who our lineage, our ancestors are. And I shared it with one particular nephew and he came back, he's like, uncle, I've been reading it up, I've been researching it, I'm so pumped, I'm so fired up, I now know who my ancestors are. Now I know what you my... strength Yeah, yeah. I guess, I now, I now know how mama was so resilient, now I know how dad was so, papa was resilient, this inspires me. Mm. Because I made sure that, the, like, when I share the, I want to, I have to make sure that when I share with my younger ones, 
that um, through my learning that I'm not giving them the trauma, I'm, I'm giving them information. This is what we went through. This is what we survived through. Mm. And that resilient, you know, unbreakable spirit has been transferred onto you. So if anything comes in your way, go back to the stories of your ancestors. Yeah. Well, that's mean. <laughs> that's mean, man. That's mean. To find, yeah, finding stories from the past, uh, bit of the future. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I, and try our best to not go down the trauma pathway. Mm. I, know, I know I'm pretty bad for that. I can, they did this to me, they did this to me. But yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Just don't mm. live there. I think I think like personally hearing you, you and your your authentic self and what you want to do, like personally I think like man I I for myself when I'm talking on podcasts like empty out the clip we do because we talk about current events and that, yep. man I'm over the warning stuff eh? <laughs> I'm over no I don't warn anything yeah you know I don't see the point because there's too much warnings out there why do you need another warning from me. Yeah, you know, and if I say something wrong, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. go look it up yourself. Like, don't yeah. tell me. Like, I'm just speaking. Yeah. I'm just speaking my mind. Yeah, you know, and I, I and and it sort of like gives me some kind of empowerment. Yeah, to like just to be like just to be strong on what I say. Like, of course, yeah. If I find new information that that I'm wrong, of course I'm gonna like, okay, I was wrong. That's growth. But I'm not gonna like acknowledge it. Like yeah. I'm not gonna say, "Oh, sorry." I, two episodes back, I said yeah. something that was wrong, and this is what I said. But blah, blah, blah. I'm not gonna go through that. Like, yeah. like I'm not TV free news. Like I'm not TV and Z. Like I'm I'm not an encyclopedia. And people shouldn't look at like podcasts like me as an encyclopedia. Like yeah, you know, like okay, there's, there's ways to get information. Yeah, don't like listen to me for. What you want to listen to me for, not for the facts and that. Of course, I'm gonna get things wrong. Yeah, you know, like not just when I listen to you talk about how if I get things wrong, I'm gonna say. Mm. And 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 plus, I it's one of my pet peeves when I listen to other podcasts. Mm. Like people always warn. Mm. There's a warning. I'm gonna say something that's gonna, <laughs> just <laughs> say it, man. The only, the only time, <laughs> the only time where I would say that these these are warning for me is if I'm gonna talk on a, sub, a topic like you know, like suicide. Yeah. Then I would say, you know, on that content, but but yeah, I hear you, man. On so many podcasts, you know, <laughs> viewer discretion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to discretion. This podcast contains some serious content that may be offensive. No. If that sounds like you. Please find another. <laughs> well, what's a podcast? You can say whatever you want. Like that stuff's on mainstream media. Like that's on mm. TV. You know, there's a reason why they say that because they can't say that. Yeah. You know, but we can. Yeah. And I think. Podcasts need to stick to that um, their freedom. Yeah, it's you know, you know, and, and and try our best to avoid or you know to to stay away from from controlling factors that try to dictate how we should be. Mm. Like you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to share my perspective on something, and that's just my perspective. That doesn't make me right. It's just a perspective, and I think listeners need to pay attention to that and be attentive to it. He's just sharing his perspective. I'm not attacking you. I'm not saying anything negative about you. This is just my perspective. And if I go and if I'm missed something or I've because there's only there's only so much time that you can communicate a message. Yeah, you know, and it's not your job to make sure everyone's yeah. happy. You know, and someone is always gonna take it in a different way. And I'm guilty of this mm. all the time. I read something or I get a message or I've said something to my mentors because I'm freaking out about something. 
and then they come back and their response is completely different. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I had, okay, actually, I got that completely wrong. But you know, it's 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 like a text when you send someone a message and text, right? K and Peel. <laughs> you know, you send someone a message and text. There's no, there's no tone. There's no tone. There's yeah. no like emotion. It's just Bro. words and people. Hmm. Is he angry? Is that that angry? Is you that know, what, you know what? How I te- there's no my, LOL at the end. You know, some of my texts now, bro. Even with the letters that I write or emails that I write, it's like I couldn't like I. I did I did risk, uh, risk management for a company once, and how you write your letters, you have to be very deliberate with the words that you say. So, um, if I'm gonna be honest with one of my mates, one of my good mates, I was like, hey, bro. Um, I hope I got you in a good time. Uh, I thought I'd just share this with you, and I just hope that you understand the, you know, my heart and what I'm going to say. I swear to you, I'm not angry, but I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on this issue. I've just noticed something, and you know, oh, yeah, can you yeah. a couple of minutes, bro. Like, can we just talk about it? See, like, you have to, you have to, like. But we don't have to do that, man. That's too much work. <laughs> where's, where's some of my other brothers will be like, bro? Because, can I talk to you, bro? Because, what about? Because the other day you said this, I'm pretty upset about it. They're like. Oh, bro, that's um. No, you've misunderstood me. What I actually meant was that. Oh, and I'm going. Oh, shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, I've gotten things wrong so many times. But and on a on a on a with the stuff that I'm going to be bringing out, like it's important for me that if I've gotten some information wrong, it just gives me more content to create. If I do an updated version of a certain topic, then I would say, you know. Um, you know, I've come to understand and learn that this information is this. But to go in and apologize to people every time, sit there and reply to all the comments, I'm like, knowing how toxic people can be. No, I'm good. <laughs> you know what? Just disable comments. <laughs> <laughs> Upload disable comments. I'd rather get a copyright infringement than a, than a word infringement was saying something wrong. Joe, man, also, uh, man, we did three hours. It's a long time we've been here. <laughs> so many pathways we went down. Also, it's 10 o'clock. Man, I'm looking forward to your podcast when it comes out, man. Um, Thank you. Yeah, man, hurry up, man. I need some content to listen to. Like, you know, but uh, thanks for coming on yeah. my podcast, man. Back on review five. Thank you. That's such a big deal. Like, you know, I, I do follow your content and I quite appreciate your show and seeing Will was on and I'm like, Fuck, this guy's got some amazing stuff. And I'm like, I'll be honest, I look at your studio, I'm like, man, I want that. And Will's <laughs> like, just start with what you have. <laughs> Build on it. Because <laughs> you don't need all of that to start a podcast. Just, just, does your laptop no. have a camera? Yep. Solved. Now, the, this stuff you see now, this is like the third upgrade. Yeah. Because we started real simple. Yeah. Back in 2019. Yeah. And just upgraded slowly. It didn't go straight to the expensive stuff. Like, yeah. Gradually. Yeah, mm. so it's it's like I'm trying to um, I'm trying to adapt my because the setup I have at home is all voice acting, <laughs> so I get irritated when I do like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Whereas voice acting, I have it in a little corner where it's blocked off. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know, yeah, you make sure that I'm yelling out lines properly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tell everyone where, where where they can find you, find your podcast. Um, bro, what is the name of my podcast? I can't remember. Um, oh. I, think, I think it's under Joseph Paulo on yeah. on Spotify. Um, you can find me on on Facebook, Joe Paulo's blog. Just I just write random stuff, mm. and you can find me on Instagram under Switchman NZ or TikTok Switchman NZ. Find my lovely quotes, and I do a couple of silly things on there. 
but uh, and we can see all my other content as well. So not just regular podcast. Um, every now and then I'll post up some stuff that I'm doing in the background. Um, there's some other work coming up soon. I'm nice. going to be voicing another game character. So <laughs> I, want, I want that to come. There's one on TikTok called Kahu. Uh, Wow, forgetting the name Kahuturoa from Path of Exile mm. So I've got an opportunity to record some more characters So keep an eye out for that And yeah, I write random stuff, talk about random stuff And it's just perspective But yeah, Spotify, Facebook Do not look for me on Twitter It's not worth your time <laughs> Nice Joe Hope you can come back man Yes Appreciate you, you bro Likewise <laughs>